Ahoy, and thanks for checking out this latest episode of the AE Podcast. Just want to take a quick second to tell you that if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash AE Podcast. And there you will find nearly 30 episodes of our spin-off series, Smackdown Crawl. We've got 14 Q&A episodes available there now, a whole bevy of commentary tracks, and the most exciting part for me, we are doing a load of new video content. A little while back, me and Kevin released a full half an hour video of us checking out Photo Slam for Windows 95. It was a shit bit of software. And we've just released me and Kevin doing a half an hour let's play of WWF Betrayal on the Game Boy Color. If you don't know about that, it's a weird little side-scroller game, and you can see the whole playthrough of us playing the game start to finish on patreon.com forward slash AEPodcast. But in the meantime, enjoy the show, Unforgiven 2001. Welcome to the Attitude Era podcast. And yes, we don't like Goldust's other character, Seven. It's season three, episode seven. I'm Kevin Mahan, joined alongside, as always, my cohorts, comrades, and colleagues. First, to my right, uh, unquestionably the most caffeinated man on the planet, Mr. Adam Bibelow. Well, I mean, Seven with Seven, then. I know, it's, it's scraps, like. Yeah, if but... it was scraps last month, this month it's like. Memories of scraps. I'm really struggling. So, uh, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you very much, man. How is the invasion storyline treating you? We're past the halfway point. We're on the road to Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. I've got to say, I'm really enjoying it. I'm probably enjoying it a lot more than I enjoyed most of the Attitude Era. Like, yeah. it just in terms of like zany shit going on mm. and in ring quality like I think this has been pretty fun have as you crap as it, is. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense I know are you still watching the Raws and Smackdowns I haven't between SummerSlam and Unforgiven I, I watched the one after SummerSlam but I wasn't able to squeeze the rest in oh man we've got some busy fucking times today because there's a lot of shit has happened in the past month including a terrorist attack so more on that in a moment and to my right, unquestionably the pyjamist man on the planet, Mr. Billy Keeble. Hello. Did you enjoy your porridge this morning, Billy? I did very much enjoy my porridge this morning. That's very good. We three boys have all had their porridge in them. Oh, so yeah. we've got long, slow-release energy. Ain't gonna get fucking giddy and weird like you did at the end of SummerSlam. <laughs> fucking down the straight and narrow. We have serious shit to talk about. So, thoughts so far? We're kind of past the halfway point on uh, the invasion. I've been enjoying Austin, I've been enjoying Kurt, I've not been enjoying most of the other stuff, apart from like RVD now that he's in. I think mm. they have very much like toward the sort of beginning of the Attitude Era, put all of their eggs in the basket of the main event and have left the mid card and lower card, We've just sort of left them by the wayside which is going to cause them problems in the long run and in the short run. That's so interesting because all through the Attitude Era, people always said, oh, the main strength that WCW had was that it had killer main events, but they had shitty undercards that they didn't you know, put any time or focus into, and it got them in the long run. And like WWF always had like the real strong up-and-comers in the mid-cards, and its main event was very easy to kind of flux and change. I don't know like, if they can say the same thing in 2001 as in 1998. Not sure if there's people waiting in the wings quite 
like there was back then. Mm. Other than people who are injured. And by the way, there's a fuckload of people who are injured at the moment. We'll get into the many injuries, the many big events that have happened in the real world as well as the wrestling world. It's Unforgiven 2001. Stone Cold can be as dangerous as psychotic as any human being that ever laced his boots. At Unforgiven Austin, I'm gonna show you how stone cold I can be. At Unforgiven, it will be The Rock defending the WCW Championship against Booker T and Shane O'Mac. No way can The Rock keep the WCW title. Angle slam! And angle to beat Austin with the angle slam! Steve Austin will never forgive Kurt Angle for this night! for what I did. Shane O'Mac soars through the air! And Shane dropped his heart right into the heart of the Bruma Bull. And unforgiven, it's going to be you two who have to forgive The Rock for taking his life. And this left turn him sideways and stick him straight in boots and just turn the asses! Stone Cold him up in the angle! And Austin knows it! I will never forgive you! No forgiveness! Forgiveness for you! Unforgiven 2001, aka Spinny Head theme pay per view, aka I'm a Nightmare. <laughs> it's it's like something out of the Lawnmower Man. Oh Jesus, <laughs> it is. It's unsettling. It's horrible. Why did they do this? I love it. It's putting over the fucking psychotic nature of Austin. Mm. Honestly, I'm fine with them taking up the aesthetic of a B-show pay-per-view just to put over Austin as crazy. So worth it, like. I think they should have gone further with it, though, and made that his gimmick that he had. (laughs) (laughs) He has the central Austin crazy face, and he has one face that only tells the truth and one that only tells the lie, and you have to solve some sort of riddle. I'm fixing to tell you a riddle. <laughs> Who beats your ass Thursday? <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin, aka the Stone Cold Beholder, here tonight with his terrifying head. And what I like most about this is that yeah, they went all in with the scary head because the tagline for this pay-per-view are sometimes the greatest battles are waged within. Yeah, that's never been truer, I don't think. I mean... Austin's gone through some dark periods in his life. This was one of them. I mean, can't help but think this wouldn't have helped. Stone Cold, who in his own mind was drinking too much, not socialising on his own on the road. That's fucked up, man. Like, Steve, look, it's you. You know, the other way, you're mad. Hey, Steve, remember last night you were telling me you were losing your grip on reality? Well, get a load of this. <laughs> I can't help but feel this whole aesthetic would have worked much better for SummerSlam. Yeah? Yeah. Just with the match that Austin and Kurt had compared to the match they have here, it's very reined in. I totally see what you mean, actually, yeah. I'll go, you know, I have to say that it's more suitable here, in my opinion, because the rivalry has amped up considerably between these two. Because at SummerSlam, they just wanted to fight each other uh, because Kurt knew he could beat him and he wanted to bring the title home. By the way, talk about a fading fucking storyline. We'll be the only ones mentioning WCW and ECW here tonight, really. They don't seem to care about that shit much anymore. But they've ramped it up. Because after SummerSlam, Stone Cold had Austin Appreciation Night. 
where all the members of the Alliance had to come out and tell him how great he was and cut little pre-taped video packages saying, you know, that they're great. Canyon said that Austin was better than him, you know, and Hurricane Helms. He said that Stone Cold was his new hero instead of the Green Lantern. Very confident that Stone Cold could beat Sinestro. Very confident indeed. Kevin's <laughs> not making it I'm up. not making it up. <laughs> he does say that. <laughs> I seriously does. Austin Appreciation Night has probably Kurt Angle's most remembered iconic moment ever, I think, in terms of an out-of-ring segment, which is Milkomania. Him mm. coming out in the milk truck to drench Austin and the Alliance. Apropos if nothing... There's a lot of that this month where stuff Austin has done in the past happens to him mm. or he brings up stuff from his past, which the announcers never pick up on. Like, no one's like, oh, you know the way Stone Cold used to come out in a beer truck. It's just, oh, here's Kurt Angle in a milk For truck. Sake. Like, the fact that Kurt Angle literally gets two milk cartons, smashes them <laughs> together and is like screaming, oh, heck yeah, or whatever, <laughs> you know? And also as well, Jim Ross really putting over the milk strong in Milkomania. It's non-homogenized. <laughs> Full fat. <laughs> and he also said that Stephanie McMahon was not a billion dollar princess, but a dairy queen. So uh, mm. that is an ice cream place in America. And Austin as well has ramped up even further with stealings of medals and fun on bridges. More on that in a tick. But there's one thing that's hanging over Unforgiven quite massively, like a dark cloud. And we can't not talk about it. And I will not review the episode of SmackDown that someone thought was a great idea to suggest us. 9-11 is big on everyone's mind here tonight. We are literally days after the tragedy in New York where the towers came down. And obviously the world was quite shook by that. I think everything and everyone here tonight, you can feel that. You can tell that something is off with the crowd, with the performers. Just... Tell me this storyline isn't the thing that's on everyone's mind at the moment. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I thought it might be a good time to ask where you guys were on 9-11. I got home from school. I was probably, I'm going to say, well, let me think about it. Sorry, 2001. 2001. I would have been 10 at the time. Got home from school. And genuinely, this is honestly my reaction, was I saw that the kids' TV shows weren't on. It was just news on every channel. And I was like, oh, what's going on here? And my parents tried to explain it to me, but I didn't grasp the gravity of it. It was like, oh, something big and terrible has happened, but I didn't realise it was, like, one of the most terrible things that has happened. Like, Yeah. And it was, like, the next day at school where the, the, whole cl- like the whole school came together and the teachers had to, like, try and figure out a way to explain it to all these children. Because oh, you would have been like, at the end of primary school, Yeah, I was right? in primary school, so, like, they were trying to figure out a way to put over how devastating this was, like, and it was... Oh, fucking hell. Difficult to grasp at that age. Because it's difficult, because you would have been the older kids in the young school. Mm. Yeah. Because, you know, for me, I was the young kid in... So I would have been secondary school, you know, equivalent of high school or whatever. You guys would have been grade school. Billy, how about you? Whereabouts were you? Where were you at? Um, I was in school as well, and I remember I came home, and my parents had just bought a newfangled internet television, which they were trying to tune, and they couldn't. (laughs) Because every channel was the same image. <laughs> For fuck's sake! Which, so they like, they were like, it was like, obviously, you know, it's awful what's happened here, but we need to tune the television. <laughs> and they just like, this we got problems of it's, our it, own. Honestly, <laughs> it, honestly, it, honestly, it took them two or three days because oh it was because wow. that, that's how how big the coverage was over over here in the UK was just like two or three days nonstop. So with that going on, do you think your parents ever really processed nine eleven? 
Um, I think they did because that's all they could see for those two days <laughs> whilst they waited for like any like semblance of oh this channel says it's ITV in the corner tune that to channel three they just couldn't they they just were just more or less solidly watching it you weren't watching wrestling at the time correct no I was not Adam did you remember seeing the 9-11 tribute it was literally the day after WWF the first public gathering of its kind as they were very quick to point out over and over again I remember reading about it in WWF magazine I think but I don't remember actually watching the episode itself on telly I've seen Lillian Garcia singing the national anthem and that is fucking heartbreaking oh yeah she's fucking that's a great fucking moment very very powerful moment it was like I thought at the time I I I was just pissed off why is there not proper wrestling on like the alliance is where they've got mate there's there's problems in the world yeah but the alliance is the immediate threat at the moment being 13 I didn't really kind of process it much either yeah I remember that being a really weird episode of Smackdown it's quite like if there's been a tragedy or you know someone's passed and they kind of do like a tribute show it was just house show like matches fun kind of matches just to kind of get everyone's mind off of things mm. and they had promos in between where people would talk if they wanted to you know much like when there was you know tribute shows yeah they weren't talking about the tragedy how it's affected them etc etc now the one weird thing about it I'd watch the episode and no I don't think we'll be doing a review of it because it'd be a bit awkward <laughs> but when I watched it at the start all of the WWF performers come out on the ramp because Smackdown now has Marlon Manson the beautiful people as its theme and then all the Alliance guys come out on the ramp as well and this takes a good 10 minutes so you've got 10 minutes of all these sullen wrestlers with tears streaming down their face waving American flags it just goes and they're like you will never defeat us terrorists you've got a tribute to 9-11 and the first lyric of the song is well I don't need you and I don't like <laughs> what? Like this first lyric of "Beautiful People" is like it's saying something about "I don't need you." Wow! Is like, I can't remember what the exact lyric is. It's it's not a fitting song for for the times. No. Speaking of not fitting for the times, Stephanie McMahon. Does anyone remember what she said at 9/11's tribute show? No. Uh, she compared it to the steroid scandal. She did. Fuck it's, off. It's, it's, it's equal to what my father went through during the steroid scandal. She didn't say it's equal well, to. No, right? no, no. It's, like, it's, it's not comparable quite. to. Okay. What she said was so weird. Because like some people really just, you know, had really fucking things to say. Yeah. Like Heyman, he lives in New York like his whole life. You're from Scarsdale. <laughs> but he had a lot to say about the city. Like Edge was there and he's like, look, you know, why would anyone care what I have to say? But, you know, just kind of general words of hope. And it's, you know, nice things to say and all that. Lillian Garcia, she knew someone who was like meant to be in the tower that day but they have a meeting but the person ran late so they didn't go and like you know there's so many stories like that of near yeah. misnod and then stephanie appears and unlike anyone else who starts off by saying oh first of all thoughts and prayers she just goes in 1994 the federal government decided that they wanted to try and destroy my family and my father and what they did to us going after us trying to destroy what we stood for all it did was make us stronger and it's exactly the same with these terrorists all they're gonna do much like the fbi and the federal government did was make america brackets vincent shane and stephanie and linda mcmahon stronger fucking disgusting yeah that is the worst fucking thing ever 
But, I mean, I can't complain. I had a cracking 9-11. Like, I had an absolute five-star Bobby Dazzler of a 9-11. It was really, really great. Because it started off a bit... I mean, it was very scary. We didn't know what was going on. I was in boarding school. So we heard, like, first thing in the morning. We didn't know what was going to happen. We are going into school. You know, teachers didn't know what was going on. We knew there'd been some news. I got pulled out of class. I was 13 years old. We got pulled out of class first thing in the morning by an English teacher who said, Kevin... I don't know if you know this, one of the boarding students who you're in the same year as, he's from New York, and his parents, he has family around the area, he's obviously understandably quite upset because something's happened, there's been some sort of incident. Could you go and chat with him? That's uh, a lot of, like, burden to put on your A little bit! A, yeah. a little bit! So you went and counselled this boy? Oh yeah, and the boy as well was sequestered away in the old study hall, which is a giant cathedral, like, high ceiling oh, room. Oh, God. On his own. And yeah. like, eh? <laughs> it's me, your old pal, Kevin. <laughs> Remember, we talked about Shawn Michaels once a year ago. Well, here I am to save the day. I didn't know what to say. In hindsight, I should have sat down, you know... In 1994, (laughs) the federal government decided to destroy Vince McMahon's family. But as the day went on, you see, right, uh, the day went on, we realised we were boarding students, the guy couldn't get through to his family, it was all very upsetting, so they're like, right, look, you guys don't have to go to study tonight, you don't have to go to classes, you get to have the night to yourselves. They gave us, like, money, the teachers from their own pocket, to go get pizza, to go rent movies, and we got to spend the whole night, just us, in his year, there's like 12 of us, got to watch movies, and eat pizza, and watch Dude, Where's My Car, and Vin Diesel and Pitch Black. And the only thing that ruined it was the teacher who came in and went, Where's your man whose parents are in New York? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, he's over here. What are you so upset about? Oh, it's just that my parents work quite close to town. From where? That's from here to Phoenix Park. You've nothing to worry about. What's wrong with you? (laughs) So, there you go. But I had a good time at a lot of pizza. Like, a a lot of pizza. Mm. More pizza than most on 9-11, I feel. So, I consider myself lucky in that regard. Unforgiven 2001. Tonight's theme is America. We open up, and you never see this on the non-big, you know, non-WrestleMania shows. America the Beautiful. Yeah. A lovely lounge jazz version of America the Beautiful. The, the pipes on this woman. Oh my God. <laughs> Get me the most intense fucking singer available because, oh my God, that is just, whoa. Mm. You're goosebumps listening to that. That's fucking incredible. I'm even from that country and I felt patriotic. The intro was a bit Bush League. Mm, yeah, kind of boring editing. What a, I think they spent all their money on the Triple Austin. Yeah, literally. Like. It was still pictures. Mm. That I think the idea was nice in that it was like still photos that then moved and kind of told the story of the action. But it was just like blurry still screen caps that yeah. then kind of moved a little bit. Really, really stop-starty. I don't know. I kind of expected a trial version of software watermark to appear (laughs) in the middle of this opening video. It focuses entirely on our two main events. There is not a single mention of the WCW brand name. It's just Rock is taking on Booker T and Shane McMahon, the big Egypts, and Kurt Angle and Stone Cold Steve Austin. The head is symbolic of many things with Stone Cold Steve Austin. (laughs) Is Twisted Psyche. 
his twisted mind. Or in Austin's words, if I didn't have a cup of coffee in me in the morning, I ain't worth a damn. That's what happens if he's not had his, his coffee. I love the music, though. This was fucking beautiful stuff. Yeah, isn't this, been, isn't this old Attitude Era Unforgiven music? I think it is, yeah. Yeah, Alton Towers, Haunted House, <laughs> Q music. Like, I fucking love it. It scared me, mate. I was fucking cut and watch the show as a result. Ooh. Ah! I would like this as like a desktop screensaver. They're in such pain as well. Like yeah. it's not like ah, I'm scared. No, it's like their faces have literally grown out of him, <laughs> and they've just captured it. Like <laughs> I thought it was meant to be like you know Total Recall, like you know, where you, open your mind. Oh no, bad! <laughs> Don't open your mind if you're stone cold. There's dark shit in there. WWF Tag Team Championships are on the line. The Dudley Boys, new champions, picked them up off the Brothers of No Selling Destruction. The Hardy Boys, Big Show and Spike, a team which I tried to write down as Big Spike, but accidentally wrote down as Big Bikes. (laughs) (laughs) Versus Lance Kane, which is Lance Storm, and Hurricane Helms. I love the Hurricane. Oh, Hurricane baby. is exactly what I love about wrestling. So, you would have watched wrestling at a time when Hurricane was kind of an established it, it, character, it, right? Yeah, he was still around when I was watching 2005, 2006. He was still knocking about, I believe. Mm. Now, Sugar Shane Helms, a.k.a. Hurricane Helms, was the definition of generic WCW guy. He was small, he had no charisma, it would seem. He had no character. He just seemed like another guy to make fun of. And I can't think of anyone in this fucking Garbage Alliance storyline who's come from another company, has grabbed an opportunity, and has gotten himself a gimmick that is fucking money for the rest of his life. Love it. What are your thoughts on the hurricane? I love the gimmick. I think it's a really great gimmick. But there's something about Helms that I just can't get on with. Like, he does my head in a little bit. Like, I think it's because Mm. maybe I've seen too much of later on Hurricane when he really is this fucking annoying character. Like, (laughs) puppet like <laughs> but the gimmick itself is great his look is fucking awesome and yeah you're right it just adds like a nice little bit of needed character to the invasion like again leading by example Austin was trying to inspire all the lower card wrestlers and Hurricane Helms kind of took Austin's advice a little bit too seriously because yeah. he was like always talking about superheroes and Austin's like you know you're the guy you could be a goddamn superhero type of thing and all of a sudden he appears dressed up like this now he looked mortified the first time he came out. Like, Hurricane always has this kind of pout on his face, but it was very much a, mm, I don't want to do this, the first time. Oh, my God. He thinks he is legitimately a superhero. That's the gimmick. Mm-hmm. Like, anytime anyone's like, oh, you're just dressing up. Like, Lance Storm, his tag partner, is like, Mr. Helms, I want to congratulate you. What better way to skewer the over-the-top pantomime nature of the comic book that is the World Wrestling Federation by becoming a literal, figurative superhero. And he's like, Citizen Storm, I am a superhero. Have you not seen McCabe and seen my Titantron? Did you see his Titantron? Yeah. He's flying around. Yeah, proof he's a real hero right there. Tell you what I love as well. That Tony Hawk's entrance music. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing Lance Storm coming out to that, he looks like he'd be a mall cop and Tony Hawk's who tried to stop you getting the secret videotape. Like, (laughs) fucking square. So is, is that the deal that Lance Storm still is under the impression that the hurricane is some sort of post-ironic jab at the Fed. Yes. And that's, so that's, okay, that makes sense, because otherwise, 
what the fuck is he doing with him? Like, <laughs> you can't say you don't like tomfoolery and hijinks one minute and then tag with a literal superhero. But I mean, that's one like the bit I just said there. That is all the justification storyline that they've given. Yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. fine. I mean, you can tell that the people who are in this group are trying because like Ivory was paired with them as well, and she like was doing this whole thing with the Hurricane, who won the European belt in his first match as the Hurricane. She like hold the belt up for him, and he'd spin around and like pose, and it's kind of interesting because. Hurricane gets a sidekick and it's not Ivory but mm. Ivory who's been brought back oh fuck it Ivory's just been brought back to be the women's wrestler yeah. essentially she's in the alliance and she's just there so she can wrestle any of the WWF women great that's fine like, I'd rather watch Ivory than Tori Wilson or Stacey Keebler. but Stacey Keebler has so many O-movers <laughs> Yeah, so Lance Storm coming into the music, quite hilarious. And Heyman has got the best shtick ever about Hurricane. Able to jump over a luchador in one single bound. <laughs> Look up there at the ramp. Is it a bird? It's a pain. It's a hurricane. <laughs> big bikes, that team. Big show, Spike Dudley. Mm. What are your thoughts? Big Stup- and little. Stupid. Like, I love Spike Dudley, but he is obviously still meant to be more on the novelty side of the spectrum when it comes to characters. Mm. And Big Show, what we've seen so far from the Invasion era, is pretty much him being made to look stupid and get buried. So when I saw the two of them together, I knew this was probably just a chance to make Big Show look like an idiot again. <laughs> Accidentally stand on Spike and like, uh, stroke his hair and kill him like, by mistake. Like. Welcome back, you big fucker. <laughs> Does this mean that the Shoguns are officially retired? Oh, the Shogun. The era of the Shogun has come to an end. They had a lot going for him, didn't they? Yeah, they had it all. Where is Billy Gunn, by the way? Like He got beat up by Christian. And so he's out now. He is. Do you know that Shogun's got a clean pinfall victory over the Dudley Boys on SmackDown? The Dudley Boys. And that was literally their last match together. <laughs> They're like, ah, fuck it. Like. Go out on a high. Like, <laughs> leave them wanting more. Got nothing left to prove. After the cameras had turned off, they stayed in the ring for like an extra 20 minutes so can <laughs> I do, I must say, I like the, uh, as the Swedish would say, I enjoy the store and little, the big and small, the, the little and large pairing, because mm. show looks bigger and Spike looks smaller because of each other. The Dudley Boys got the belts because uh, the Undertaker and Kane, they had chronic problems. Yeah, chronic problems, you say? They had chronic problems. Okay. <laughs> More on that in a little. Honestly, because I can't start talking about chronic like it's like oh I'll do a little diarrhea you're not it's all coming out <laughs> right it's coming out and it's you know and it's they're not little by little so let's just leave it for now this is an elimination match where you have two legal men in at the time once one person gets pinned the team goes to the back and show immediately spits white gloop everywhere Ugh. winning our gloop of the night while saying get you some <laughs> fucking hell big show that could be a catchphrase yeah get you some Get you some of the big show, Paul White. Check it out, King. Matt Hardy outwrestles the Hurricane and mocks his poses. Jim Ross hates the Hurricane. Of course he fucking does. I, I want to know what uh, Jim Cornette's opinion is on the Hurricane <laughs> more than anything else. I don't know. Put the two of them together in a convention. Maybe he'll run over after him in smelly clothes and try and fight him or something like that. Or like tape his hat or something. Jeff Hardy is wrestling in a cap. Have some respect, goddammit. Seriously, mate. It's everybody like an Ultimate Warrior ran out that one time with a hat on, <laughs> and everyone's really annoyed. Like, why would you? Why would you? Like the documentary of the self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. I love how they're like, why would you do that? Like, you know, <laughs> all the terrible things he Should did. Never been broken in this business. You know, like he calls draws a cripple, Todd Grisham a homo, and then but he wore that. 
why would you do that? Why would you wear that hat? No one even knew what a hat was. <laughs> deep cut. <laughs> that came from deep state, that fucking deep cut. My God. I was a bit confused in this because we had two WWF teams and they've established WWF will fight each other. Mm-hmm. Brackets. X-Pac. Yeah. <laughs> but will the Alliance guys fight? That is something which has not been really made clear and they don't really pick up on that much in the match. I didn't know it at the time, but Hurricane Helms has a history with the Hardy Boys going all the way back to uh, their... Yeah, to Omega. That yeah. was like kind of the start of the backyard thing then they actually ran shows. But they kind of grew up wrestling together. Oh, shit. And it's nice that Hurricane went from being a literal nobody to being the, mo- like, the most successful gimmick to come from the Alliance, mm. I think. And he got to do it through a feud with Matt Hardy. That's fucking awesome. That's nice. they, they made him look good. Like he is, It's a total goofy gimmick. And they don't treat it so seriously, but it's not like they're burying him. No, like no. the rest of, he can still wrestle and he can still be people. Spike Dudley gets tagged in, and Jim Ross describes him as being 150 pounds soaking wet after a big dinner of uh, ribs. Now he keeps going back to this. What like, ribs? No, <laughs> he's not that hungry. He's eating at a restaurant too. again, like. Uh, no, he keeps going back to the fact that Spike barely weighs anything. Uh, the Big Show is essentially a big galoot. Like, there's one point where Spike's getting worked over, and you, it cuts to Big Show in the corner, reaching over like desperately, and Jr. just goes, "The Big Show is wanting a tag as bad as he's wanting a cheeseburger." <laughs> what? Like, he's burying Spike for being light and little, but he's also burying Big Show for being big and heavy, like... Just a lot of food-based analogies. Now, he's he's definitely had a really good meal before this. Or <laughs> yeah. he's got reservations at a great place in Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, he doesn't say he weighs 150 pounds as well, so I translated that. He says he weighs a book and a half. Boomerang <laughs> <laughs> totally gets tagged in. And it's almost as if the Dudley boys are running out of horrible things to do to their little brother Spike. He just walks on his face. Yeah. Oh. To no reaction as well. Spike goes, oh. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? <laughs> Complete silence. Hurricane dons his cape and goes to up the top rope. He flies as Paul Heyman goes, <laughs> Beautiful. JR starts heaping praise on the Hurricane though. You know, he says that he's got a lot of character, he's got a lot of heart, he's a great wrestler. He said he would like to see him be a part of the World Wrestling Federation someday. So they're obviously pleased with him because no one is getting even a minute bit of praise like that. No, I don't think it's like, I mean, obviously the gimmick is goofy, but I think that is the gimmick itself is that it is silly. Like, so mm. the fact that they're not burying it says that clearly I think management's high up on the idea as well. Hot tag to the burger show who clears house. All eight men come into the ring. The Hardy Boys both dive outside. Then Spike does the old Jimmy Snooker off Andre thing. He stands on the shoulders. Love that. That is fucking yeah. awesome. And then we get something brilliant. I love this always. Anytime a big man is like, oh, I'm going to go off the top, bro. But <laughs> like Mark Henry's done it. Big Show's done it. I love it. And he teases going up to the top. And Bubba Ray spoils it, which gets the biggest heat of the night. The best thing about that tease is that, because I I knew straight away Big Show ain't diving to the outside. That's not going to happen. But he's climbing up there and all the lads that are on the outside are actually like getting together and huddling up like they do when they're setting up that spot. Yeah, yeah. It looked fake as fuck because there's no kayfabe reason to do that. But it had me going like, wait, are they actually going to catch the Big Show? (laughs) Very well done. That's fucking deep. I love it. Big Show, let's see, Chokeslam attempted on him by the Hurricane, which is just like, so, they did a spot like on SmackDown as well, they do it a million times where Hurricane just like hand on the hip, 
goes to choke slam him because he's super powerful. Showstopper to Hurricane and to Lance and Storm and the Hurricane are gone. The Dudley Dog gets reversed by Matt, Twist of Fate to Spike, and the big bikes are gone as well. So we've just kind of a roundabout way to smart ourselves into Dudley Boys versus the Hardy Boys. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of where we were this time last year. Yeah. <laughs> Disappointing. Hardy Boys get worked over by the Dudleys, who do the was up, and they're not playing to it anymore. I like that. Mm. You know, Jim Ross even calls it the watch up. With disdain. <laughs> I do like it because the Dudley boys, they turned heel just as that was getting really, really annoying. Like, mm. even more so, even idiots thought it was annoying at that point. So, I like that. You Finger know? on the pulse. <laughs> Great grunt by Bubba Ray Dudley at 2050. He screams as he whips Jeff Hardy. Bubba Ray now. And then just starts mouthing off. Eat this, you pretty boy! Aww. He's such in love with the Hardy Boys, but right. <laughs> if only I could get that kiss, you know. <laughs> get out of here, you sexy piece of shit. <laughs> Hot tie to Matt Hardy, who does a fucking moonsault to the outside. Whoa. You better believe there are words had with the gentleman in our art class who was like, Matt Hardy's a ground-based wrestler. <laughs> what? You, you don't understand. Matt Hardy's a ground-based wrestler, so he doesn't need to do the high-flying maneuvers that his brother Jeff does. Mate, he just did a moonsault to the outside. Yeah. Where are you now? Probably an adult like a fucking freak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you shut him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 3D to Matt Hardy. Jeff Hardy swanton bombs to stop the cover. And then Bubba Ray just comes in, hits a high angle Bubba bomb. And the Dudley boys pick up the win. We got to finish with the Bubba bomb. That's yeah. never seen that before. Lovely. Dudley's win. Very decisive win for the Dudley's yeah. as well, I might, I might add. And the replays of this match were immediately spoiled. We're like, let's see how this all went down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I enjoyed the match. I thought the other two teams were probably surplus to requirements. Mm. Yeah. Because those two teams got taken out relatively quickly. Then we had a long time of yeah. Hardys and Dudleys. You might as well have just done that. I kept getting distracted by the commentary. In how this so? Match. I don't like how JR and Paul are friendly. Or on good terms. There's a bit too much banter at times because they used to hate each other more so when they were on the same team, WWF. Because like, like, Paul's going on about how like the Dudley teams are like the greatest tag team of all time, and Jr. just goes, "Yeah, <laughs> uh, they are. They are great. Like they're the heels. Like they're the alliance. Jr. and Paul shouldn't be agreeing mm. on the heel tag team being one of the greatest tag teams of all time. I mean, they do still. I know exactly what you mean. They are a lot softer on each other tonight. They do still bicker. At yeah, points. they do. Three so hours think, of like non-stop bickering would be too much, wouldn't yeah. it? No, it's, I don't know about that. It's just the fact I think it's because they're still only a few days removed from 9/11. Yeah, like, you know, I still think they're just generally maybe feeling a little bit softer on commentary. Like, yeah, no, maybe I'm totally don't want to be really argumentative all night because it's going to be pretty fucking stressful. Like, there isn't the fire here that there was at SummerSlam. Yeah. Backstage, Rob Van Dam, which stands for Cool Whatever Man. But those aren't the right letters. Whatever, man. <laughs> he meets with Stephanie McMahon Helmsley, who wishes him luck and sexual favours. Yeah. Rob Van Dam is cool whatever man with that man, but he doesn't need help, man, because he's cool with whatever man. He looks so much like Chris Pontius here. <laughs> You're gonna rip those clothes. <laughs> 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 Probably would. It'd be cool with that. Whatever, man. You know, it's it's, it's all right. 
He needs help finding a really big dressing room for Rob Van Dam. Come a, a dressing room that big enough to contain his superstar status. Like I'm sure someone his gave him that side. as like, you're meant to be a heel, so say this. Like, <laughs> it's not gonna work, mate. He needs a room on his own, I think. It's probably wellness hasn't come in yet, like so <laughs> you get those rooms on your own, like he'll be sorry, they'll be grand. In the crowd, Michael Cole hunkered down with Kurt Angle's brother and his mother. Here at Pittsburgh, Kurt Angle's hometown, and the entire family is uh, lining up here in the front row. We have Kurt Angle's mom here, and I know you guys are proud of your son's accomplishments, but what would winning the WWF title mean to Kurt Angle and your family if he does it here tonight in his hometown of Pittsburgh? Oh, we'd be ecstatic. I think he's going to win it because um, he puts his whole heart and soul into everything, and especially in front of the Pittsburgh people. And uh, he'll go after that WWF belt like he went after the Olympic gold medal in 96. Also here with the entire Angle family is Kurt's brother, Dave. And, you know, Kurt has uh, been through adversity before with neck problems. And, uh, of course, this past Thursday night on SmackDown, he re-injured his neck at the hands of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, Kurt has not been medically cleared to compete here tonight, but according to Commissioner Regal, he will allow Kurt Angle to go on with this matchup. Did your brother make the right decision, do you think? He won the Olympic gold medal with a broken neck. I think it'll be all right tonight. We're both going to go for it. And I'll tell you, here in his hometown of Pittsburgh, with all the, this crowd behind him and the Angle family here as well, it's going to be an exciting evening. It's going to be an exciting evening for the Angle family. It will be. We're all going to go for it. Well, hopefully the Angle dream will come true here. Back to you, JR and Paul. Lipiska. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, legit. Mrs. Angle, do you believe that your son, Kurt, will be victorious here against Stone Cold Steve Austin here tonight? Uh, chocolate starfish. Holly, holly, holly. It's going to be an exciting evening, right, Mrs. Angle? What? <laughs> oh, I, I said that it was. it's going to be an exciting evening. Yeah, it will be an exciting evening. So that is uh, getting us all riled up for our main event here. Dave Angle there, the, uh, the brother, is that the same fella that we saw before being the, the lookalike? That's yeah. Eric Angle. That's Eric, is it? Yeah. Well, this guy also looks very much like Kurt. Yeah, they all look very, very like Kurt. Karen Angle is in there, you know? Mm. So uh, somewhere young Jeff Jarrett's like, ooh. <laughs> I'd like to kiss her. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, I'd like to make her my wife, you know? Coming up next. Ah, Jesus. Here we go, big fucking, this is the big finale we're ending to here. This is uh, all the cannons going off at the end of Ode to Joy. Perry No. <laughs> Perry No versus Raven No. I wrote that Terry is with Perry, she's with Raven. Yeah, who cares? Not Raven. <laughs> uh, he, I was sitting with Terry and she was like, uh, so what was it like when you paired at Raven? It's like the only thing he ever said to me was, I don't need a sidekick. That was literally the only words that they ever exchanged. And as Terry is coming out, you know, because there's nothing on TV about this. It's literally Raven is with Terry. Terry's in the Alliance. And Raven and Terry kill. They're the ones who kidnapped Moppy. And they killed Moppy as well. Yeah. It's so awkward as well if you've watched the wrestling with regret about Raven. Mm. Just the, the whole chipper incident. Just they can't get it in. And oh. just, Raven's just like standing there occasionally pointing at it for ages. It's just... He literally shrugs as it. Like he turns to the person who's making the thing. He's like, well, it's not working. You know? And then they do it anyway. It's just, oh, God. They fucked up 
breaking them up <laughs> so you can break over your knee you can't like, put into an industrial machine very few things in wrestling should be a given to go off without a hitch breaking them up set it on fire for fuck's sake <laughs> it would have been more fun oh jeez and like as Terry is coming out with, with Raven and Jim Ross is like can you tell me what the, the nature of the relationship between Raven and, and Terry and Hayward's like <laughs> I, she's like mental stimulation uh, I don't know she's she's there like oh, even Heyman can't come up with anything like. fucking rubbish nice kilt yeah is it I don't get what his look is with previous Raven it's like even if you don't take into account the whole sleeping rough kind of character that he's gonna have leather jacket ripped <laughs> denim and all that it's like okay this guy's clearly a punk or a thug like yeah. you get an idea of who he is I haven't a fucking clue what's going on with Raven. He's got like the fucking red dreads. He's got the kilts. Like he was dressed like the editor from the Nintendo Power as well when he was doing, <laughs> uh, when he was doing the wood chipper thing. You know, I mean, the only thing I can gather from this is that uh, in this month uh, we had a few releases from uh, WWF. People were let go. Uh, Dilo Brown been let go. Uh, Val Venus no. as well. Headbanger Mosh. Oh, oh. for. F- Books. And you can think like that maybe there's the mind games from uh, old Scott Levy, Raven, the master of mind games. He's there, he's got the kilt. Hey, Thrasher. Like, <laughs> <laughs> got your gimmick. <laughs> this is just the start of his devil's advocate gimmick. He gets a bit later on night. Real men wear skirts. <laughs> this is a very interesting one because these are two guys I love. Mm-hmm. Love Perry Sarn, love Raven. In WCW or in ECW, I would have been all over this match. And I wouldn't even give this match a chance. No. Not rem- I thought, like, kind of, oh, I saw this as a kid, I was like, oh, this is boring. I didn't like it. These guys get buried. Even though I was a big Raven fan as a kid. Now I appreciate both men a whole lot more. And even still, I was like, oh, this is going to be fucking shit. Because I don't know if like, Raven, if this is a fair thing to say, but he doesn't seem motivated a lot of no, the time no. when he's in the ring. Absolutely not. Like, he really phones it in here the two of them it just they don't click and they can because they've wrestled in ECW and WCW and it has clicked I think they're just not into it anymore like seriously think about how important Raven was in ECW and Perry Saturn how well held he was in WCW like these two could be some really solid mid-carders in yeah. Invasion if they were booked properly but I think they've just been like lost for so long. They're both like, "Fuck it, we're in a feud over a mop. Like, let's just get this fucking match over and done with." These two men wrestle with all the intensity of two men feuding over a mop. So yeah. I guess they're, yeah. they're true to form it's on fitting, that. Like. Like. The the nail in the coffin for this match is when Jr. casually mentions that Perry used to be an army ranger, and that just like that just makes it so much worse that he's yeah, like, "How am I mighty have fallen?" Oh, like. gee. We thank you for your service, uh, fucking Perry Saturn. Now go dance around with this mop. Like, I think I had a big binder back in the day that was made from the same reflective material as Perry Saturn's pants like <laughs> put all my Wallace and Gromit fact files in there you know JR mentions the flock on commentary with wow. a very notable lack of care or interest he's like well they were in a group called the flock together and Heyman straight away quick as a flash because 
He was in the flock in ECW as well. Mm. And Heyman was like, and yes, do you know who caused the demise of the flock in WCW? It was none other than Perry Saturn, because he was the, the grunt who rose up amongst all the sheep in the flock. Fucking A. And he was the one who stopped it. He, he fought Raven. It was an awesome match. It was a really, really cool storyline. I really liked it. But yeah, JR is like, doesn't care. And then Heyman points that out, and he's like, you didn't even know that, did you, Jim Ross? And JR... So defensive, he goes, oh, I never watched Nitro. I was busy Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> Raven with the Cobra Clutch. Heyman says, Sergeant Slaughter must be rolling over in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> the disrespect. I bet Slaughter was backstage. <laughs> <laughs> they brought him out like in dark segments a week before. Like He is very much alive. <laughs> Post 9-11, we don't need to be having those fucking scares, Heyman, you motherfucker. Like. Sign saying, I miss draws. Hey, me too. Perry, some beautiful offense here as a face. Springboard dropkick. Oh, mm. oh my God. His eye gets cut. And I always hate this when people get hard way in a match that seems low impact. The crowd is dead for. Like, that's a waste of blood. Yeah. An absolute waste of blood. Perry's cut. Suplexes are plenty. Can't wake this crowd up. Perry, in the end, the finish, something was wrong. Like, something was off. Like, he looked dazed. And not, like, wacky character dazed, as in he stopped selling and then just kind of stared around and went, ah, moppy. And then did his finisher. Potential concussion or something. He looked like he wasn't in there. Jeez. It was really awful. Perry wins. And Paul laughs because Moppy's still dead. <laughs> I got the remains of Moppy right here in this doggy bag. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking awful. Yeah. There you go. That's that's the greatest sin of this invasion storyline that you can literally take two of the best wrestlers in the world, one who's like a master of in-ring work, one who's a master of psychology, who've been given an angle yeah. and have been given a time and it can't make it work. Mm. I don't know if it's their fault or the company's fault, but it stank. Bit of both, I think. Christian with Lillian Garcia. Oh, my God. Christian has finally done it. It happened. He's turned heel. Oh, it was so perfect. It was so perfect how he turned heel. So as we know, Christian's been having problems with uh, jealousy yeah. and whatnot. Uh, I think you'll find Edge has been having problems with jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> so Christian is kind of being extra creepy before he turns on Edge. He's like dressing in even more outrageous clothes. As soon as he pointed out of it, his sunglasses being bigger. Yeah. I could not see it. He came out one week with like a literal fuzzy orange shirt. <laughs> with matching fuzzy orange sunglasses. <laughs> and he would keep doing things like Austin had an open challenge where he's like, anyone from the WWF can come fat me. And Edge was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fight Steve Austin. I think I can do it. And that's like a real big mm. character moment for someone like Edge, an up-and-comer. And Christian's like, oh, no, you can't do that, bro, because I got us a tag team title match against Kane and The Undertaker instead. <laughs> High five. And Edge is like, what? Why would you do that? Or like, you know, he tried to get the European belt off Matt Hardy and he couldn't do it. And he yeah. freaked out. And then in his hometown, Toronto, he said he's going to challenge The Rock for the WCW <laughs> Championship. And he's like, it's going to be great, like, and I just want you to know that even though you know, I'll be a world champion and you're just a continental champion, I still want to tag with you because you're, <laughs> you're my brother, like, and he did things like 
before he went out, he's like, Edge, I need you to stay back here tonight. i got to do this on my own. And then Shane McMahon and Booker T are like, hey, we'll interfere. Like, oh, yeah, great, lovely. Um, <laughs> if I'm looking like I'm in trouble out there, if you could just interfere, that would be great, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Rock beat him, and Christian was like a really fun, fun match. And Christian in a main event like that was really interesting in his hometown. People were cheering for him. And he comes up short. Then Edge is a match later on in the night. Christian comes out, he like hugs him, gives him the trophy, like pats him on the shoulder. Like it's a real like humble Christian understands that Edge is doing his own thing. And then he beat the fucking shit out of him. And a real scary beatdown as well. When you got someone like Christian who's like a real comedy nerd yeah. heel, and he gets like like pulling out his face. Yeah. Smack one man concerto to Edge, he laid his head on the chair and he smashed it. The crowds were all cheering from at the start because it was Toronto, and yeah. then as soon as he did that, they were like you could hear a pin drop. Wow. Oh man. Oh, special mention as well with Christian's slow turn of being healed. Just my favourite line ever was uh, Hugh Morris challenged Edge for the Intercontinental Belt. And he's like, Edge, with your silly name, why don't you challenge me to a match for the Intercontinental Belt? And Edge is like, your name's Hugh Morris. And Christian comes in and he's like, whoa, 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 hang on a second. No one makes fun of my brother Edge for his ridiculous name. <laughs> you know, he'll still fight you tonight. Then he's on commentary. He's like, it's not fair, Paul. People have been bullying my brother Edge for his stupid name his whole life. <laughs> His whole life. <laughs> to which Heyman later on in commentary was like, Christian, can you imagine this name? My parents had nine months to name me. They didn't call me Jew. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christian, it was very colourful here. Mm. The purple and the red mm. with Lillian Garcia says that uh, the crowd is full of people who've not been fulfilled in their dreams, which is quite like... For a crowd that's kind of like on the downward tilt. Yeah. And it's a depressing, hard time in America. And he's like, yeah, no one here has had your dreams fulfilled. Oh. Do you want to make a start on the traffic? Oh. Like, you know. Oh, maybe we can make the dream of getting home at a reasonable time come <laughs> true. Says it was totally worth betraying his brother because he's going to become the Intercontinental Champion. Here we go. I see belt on the line as Egg takes on crisp and dry with the food always stays crisp and dry. For fuck's sake. My brother Edge has been jealous. Edge is the 2001 King of the Ring. Bitter. Christian seems more obsessed with the King of the Ring trophy than his brother Edge who won it. And resentful of me. And there you see the new WWF Intercontinental Champion. My whole life, it's always been Edge and Christian. Hey! Oh my God! Christian just cracked the skull of his own brother! Of his own flesh and blood! You have nothing that I need, but you do have something that I want. I'm gonna take your intercontinental title the same way you always took the spotlight from me. Hey, wait! There's Edge! Christian's brother Edge! Edge is beating the hell out of his brother, that jealous Christian! What kind of brotherly love is Edge showing for Christian? The same kind of brotherly love that Christian showed his brother when he tried to crack his skull. Brother versus brother, and Edge's Intercontinental Championship will be at stake. We get a recap of Edge's many accomplishments and the intercut with the best thing ever about this heel turn. Christian! 
last, you're, you're on, on your <laughs> I love this video. Oh my god. The entrance, the pyro. I was. I already love Christian this made Like, I had Christian's entrance for like nine years after this, <laughs> yeah. where he turns around and points to the pyro, going, Look, the golden shower. Like, he doesn't understand how shit that looks like. And he has got the most ridiculous sunglasses. He's got a sing along opera. The fucking face is going back and forth. I remember being obsessed trying to figure out like what the words were because it's it's done in Latin, but it does translate to like you're like no longer constrained by my brother. Very I'm now free to do it. And it's, it literally is the feud recapped in opera. <laughs> of course, Christian, who's an idiot, who's like, oh, people think I'm totally smart if I have this like opera. Basically, like you know the episode of Frasier where like the Silicon Valley idiot is like, yo, tell me how to be smart. I bet Christian was up at Kelsey Grammar doing cocaine, putting this shit together. Love it. Edge has got new music as well. Oh. Yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> He has a look of absolute death on his face when he comes out of Edge. Mm. I love it. You know what? We said last episode, I totally stand by it. Hasn't been a better breakup of a tie team than this. These guys sell it so well. Edge is like, feels like, yeah, he's free now. He comes out with this music. Mm. It's like, Edge can be Edge. Edge. Yeah. And Christian is doing everything to make it about himself. Love it. Love it, love it. Edge beats the shit out of Christian in the ring, on the stage, throws him into those weird metal tube things. I love that. I only just noticed the stage design here. It looks like something from like an industrial Sonic the Hedgehog level. <laughs> like all the tubes and the girders and everything. <laughs> Purple fluids flying through the air. But when there's yellow lights on them at one point, it looks like stacks of coins from Odyssey. <laughs> like, you got to throw Christian there. You'll make him rich, you idiot. Don't do that. Christian on grunty and whiny offense. The crowd don't make much noise for a lot tonight, but they know they hate Christian. It's a very easy thing to get behind. I love it so much. Edge gets bust up real bad. Both of these guys get bust up. Yeah, Edge. I actually watched the Raw the night after Unforgiven, and they show you Edge like they give you like a really horrible close of him getting stitches, and he's got like a green puss coming out. Ah! It's so fucking disgusting. This oh, fucks him up. God in heaven, that's so fucking horrible. Christian's nose is bleeding as well. I think they're like, were they stiffen each other to kind of give I a bit so, of yeah. 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 I think because this is like, this really is like the arrival of Edge the solo star and Christian the solo star. I think they were just giving it their all for this match. There's something about like, when you don't have the crimson mask, but when they have that like, exhausted their face is kind of a bit puffy and swollen yeah. their hair is all like strangly out and they've got just a little cut it looks so sore and it looks like two brothers who've yeah. just fight and take it too far real fight you know they're, they're brothers so they're close to each other in a way that they can beat the shit out of each other in a way that is just like next level I fucking love it I, I think I prefer that sometimes to having a full crimson mask having mm. a localised like half the face or just like even a quarter of the face is just gushing with blood well, we get plenty of that later on tonight oh, yeah. <laughs> Edge as well is doing some kind of non-characteristic offence he like does hair pulls on Christian he's throwing him around by his hair it's really cool and the story as well is that they know each other really well they know their moves so Christian and Edge are constantly countering each other when they're in the ring at one point Edge pulls the old switcheroo he goes under the ring and comes out the other side and hits a missile dropkick bit silly for mm. this kind of match 
Yeah, everyone knows he underneath there. He has to do like a small trial at Little Person's Court, and then come oh, out for fuck's sake. the other side. It would be funny if we did a uh, review the DX return sometime. <sighs> I thought. I mean, I just let it hang there for a second. I think. <sighs> I think that would be brilliant because that'd be right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> oh yeah, you could lead us through the Billy, waters. I said it before and I say it again. I don't want to be in your wheelhouse. <laughs> 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 I don't like it. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> Christian hits the spear, but uh, Edge kicks out, and then Christian's like, "Fuck this!" Grabs two chairs. Edge reverses the one-man concerto, contemplates for a second doing it to him. Mm. You know, like he's doesn't think he's he's not there. Like he can't do it to his brother. He's not evil. Like, no. He's just mad. And he contemplating it and like they're putting this over like Christian did it to Billy Gunn and it's like oh Billy Gunn's out now because mm. of this or like and Edge was off TV for weeks because of it and he tried to do it to Tajiri like oh he'll end his career so it's a big move they're putting this over as the referee stops but Edge gets low blowed as the referee is distracted Christian rolls him up I love just even hit his finisher no. just a low blow and a pin <laughs> and he's like yes yes so good like Christian can't justify that to himself. I love it. He know like he'll never admit it. Like he's like David Brayton that way. He'll never have the moment of self-realization where he'll admit to himself, even though he knows he's not good enough and he's shit. I fucking adored it. You know, the match wasn't spectacular. It was good. But like the story was just so good. I loved yeah. watching this. Blood everywhere, Christian hugs the belt, and Heyman just starts clapping. Because Christian is still technically WWF, so maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll go to WCW or ECW, or maybe it won't fucking matter. <laughs> JR runs down all the countries that are getting to see uh, wrestling tonight. Yeah, Northern Ireland, Kevin. That's yeah. your, not your neck of the woods, isn't it? Well, it's funny you didn't ask the Northern Irish students to go and talk to the American boy. To <laughs> all right, they asked me um, with my passport from the Republic of Ireland to clean up your mess, America. You dropped the ball. Old K Dog was there to pick it up. Fine, insult me all you want. Oh, for fuck's sake, chronic, chronic, and the brothers of destruction. <laughs> I don't want to do this! <laughs> Billy, way back in the uh, back in the realms of time when uh, the three of us sat down and we reviewed Bash at the Beach 2000. <laughs> yeah. It's like our second or third most listened to episodes yeah. of all time. Crazy. Most of them are probably from Vince Russo. Like. <laughs> um, but did you think we'd see Chronic here? Did we remember Chronic? Yeah, I do remember Chronic. They had a really shit match again. They I can't believe they've had a shit match again. But everyone was shit. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> I remember it being like a, an insulting thing mm. to watch. Yeah. It was poor. Oh my god. Well, hopefully they've learned from their mistakes and they'll put on a great match with two men who don't sell. Yeah. Hey, this is going to be fun. The irresistible force meeting another irresistible force. No, that makes the same too fun. This is four immovable objects. <laughs> That's four immovable objects not moving. A little bit of a recap here. There is a storyline at play here. Mm. I have one thing to say to The Undertaker. I hate you! It was your fault that the right to censor disbanded. So Undertaker, come out here and get some. That boy, Stephen Richards, man, he's got a death wish. Stephen Richards just tossed the chair down. What the world is he thinking about? Is that Brian Adams? 
He's from Chronic! He oh, just knocked the Undertaker's no. motorcycle over! What the hell is that? That's Frank Long! They're double teaming! Manhandling the Undertaker! Steven Richards directed traffic! I haven't seen anyone manhandle the Undertaker like this! Chronic's in the house! What a great time to double team the Undertaker! With Kane in the hospital, what a time to take out the Taker! Don't do it! Don't oh do my it! God! The damage on him! His back may be broken! And Kane and The Undertaker set to defend their WWF Tag Team titles against the Dudleys. This should be a good one. It's Chronic! Oh no, come on! Double choke slam through the table! Undertaker hung up there! And the 3D by the Dudleys! Oh no! One! No, no! Hey, wait! No, no! Three! The Dudleys have done it! While the Dudleys didn't do a damn thing, it was Chronic and Stephen Richards. There will be hell to pay! The return! Of Stephen Richards. Yeah. Wearing his black shirt and his back pants. He ran in on The Undertaker. He laid out Undertaker with Stevie Kick. Cost him a match against, like, Albert. And then Stephen Richards was like, No one was more responsible for the downfall of the RTC than The Undertaker. And I am challenging him to a match on SmackDown. And then SmackDown, out comes Stevie Richards. By the way, when Steve Richards came out, they're like, is he in the Alliance call? I don't know. No one knows. Oh, what's this guy's allegiances? His time trial literally did the ECW, WCW thing. For fuck's sake. Free agent Steven Richards. <laughs> and he called out The Undertaker and just went, I hate you. <laughs> like Frasier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, old Steven, he had a plan though, didn't he? He had a plan. Because Bugger Red went after Stevie Richards. He runs up the ramp and he looks around. He's like, hey man, who's that sexy guy down there and looking kind of sexy in the tank top? That's Brian Adams, my friend. A.K.A. Crush. A.K.A. Hawaiian Crush. A.K.A. Brian Adams. <laughs> he, he knocked over The Undertaker's bike. Now, y'all don't tug on Superman's cape. Y'all don't um, piss in the wind. Y'all mm. don't pull on Bugger Red's motorbike's cape either. Those are the rules of the country. And y'all, you've done it now. You've made a big mistake by doing that. And he got beat up by Chronic, which is Brian Adams. And Brian Clark. Does anyone know the moniker that Brian Clark went under when he previously worked for the World Wrestling Federation? Oh, no. It's Adam Bomb. Oh, that's him. That's him. Crikey. With his loud ring gear. So, figure this out. These are two guys who were in the company for a while. Adam Bomb, two, three years maybe, including your know, time in developmental and stuff. Brian Adams. I mean, he was crush during WrestleMania 9 when he was quite crush. He was crushing the Nation of Domination. He was there for like four or five years. He was in WCW with Brian Adams as well. Like... He's a close mate of The Undertaker. That's why they got this shot. Right. Taker was like, Brian Adams, bring him in, sure. Was he in the BSK? I think he was, actually. BSK for life. I did all the hand gestures correctly there. So, they did one TV match, Chronic. They wrestled Kai and Ty. (laughs) (laughs) This will get you ready for the big game, lads. (laughs) They had one house show appearance... They had two other appearances where they just beat up Undertaker on Raw. And this match. This is the match. And this match is their last match. (laughs) Thank fuck. So just bear that in mind when we're watching this. Uh, Kane, unfortunately, had not been on TV for the last few weeks. He got a staph infection. Oh, no. During the cage match, he got cut and his elbow grew to grotesque portions. So 
probably just like the essence of DDP it was like squeeze it out no oh, God. so that was what happened to, to they could have turned that into a brilliant gimmick like <laughs> Kane's like possessed like he's been bitten by DDP <laughs> and he slowly turns into DDP yeah. what like in Metal Gear too yeah. Yeah. Sons of Liberty like you know Kane's trying to go up and do the four corners he turns like oh turn into a diamond cutter no ah hook it out tension shows up chest tight sorry I thought Barry has the chemicals to make sure it's all good Oh no, this fucking interview with Coach. Well guys, for the past three weeks, Stephen Richards has been hell-bent on making your lives a living hell, destroying the both of you, and tonight, Stephen Richards and Chronic have a chance to pull off the ultimate revenge, costing you those WCW tag team titles. You see what, you know, that, that's fine. Revenge, that's great. You see, I'm hot, and I'm not hot because we've got jumped and got beat up for the last three weeks. Hey, I can deal with that. We'll settle that score tonight. What I'm hot about, is that Steven Richards seems like he is obsessed with reminding everybody that I got rid of the RTC. The people don't want to be reminded about that. They're trying to forget the RTC. But okay, that's fine. So he brings in Adams and Clark, chronic, hell-bent on revenge. So he's got these two muscled-up statues. We've seen what they can do when they jump us from behind. Now let's see what happens when they got to look in the eye of the dragon. All those muscles are fine, but we'll take a muscle-bound man and drop his face in the sand, and that you can count on, coach. Let's roll, bro. Undertaker looks like he's got worms. He's jigging about like... Come on, bro. Come on, bro. He keeps saying he's hot. Take your coat off, then, mate. <laughs> Just... He's so turned on by Chronic, it's not even funny. Calls them muscled-up statues. Oh. All right. I'd pay to see Brothers of Destruction against some actual statues instead of this match. <laughs> like, like, imagine that I'm doing a big last oh. ride to a statue. Just smashing it like... Yeah! That'd be great. So, Undertaker, he's, doing, uh, he's more animated here doing his little dance than he's in this whole fucking yeah. match. But he has got one thing on the mind. He's got muscles. It's time for some muscle talk. We take a muscle-bound man and drop his head in the sand... Burn! And he says, come on, bro. And he walks off with Kane. Very much a Mr. Leahy, Julian vibe I'm getting from Taker and Chronic <laughs> here. Like, you've seen two guys walk around here, black tank tops, kind of sexy looking. <laughs> so, Chronic, did you know it's anything about their entrance music? No. Now, it's not Govinda, unfortunately, no. as it should be, because uh, these guys, here, they're sharing the, the, the locker room with Rob Van Dam. these uh, muscle-bound statues, more like muscle-bound potheads, cr- chronic, am I right? They don't call their finisher high times here, it's the double choke, Sam. So, Pity. that's it. No, their entrance music, which starts off by going, chronic. 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 Beyond. Fuck it. Uh, no, it's the Steve Richards entrance music. So that gimmick is literally their Stevie Richards boys. Yeah, they are. Well, they're his the boys. Like, yeah, it's the story. Like Dalton Castle. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've not explained what the relationship is, other than they're his men and they do his bidding. And I just like the idea that they could have mixed this up. You know, I'll show you, Chronic. You'll see. <laughs> what is wrong with Stevie Richards? Dyed his hair black. Going for like a John Travolta kind of look. He looks fucking ridiculous. He looks like a waiter. He's got <laughs> jet black hair, a real tight. Look, it's the, he's like, oh, I gotta get muscles. You gotta get a muscle shirt. 
got some tight, muscly black hair. I gotta look like a statue for the guys. <laughs> it's just, he comes out. He looks like, I mean, you guys might know it. What was that weird pedophile Waluigi looking lad from Lazy Town? You're that guy. <laughs> what? You're <laughs> him. Robbie Rotten. Robbie no, Rotten. Was Sportacus. Sportacus is the guy in the mustache, but Robbie Rotten's the purple yeah. Waluigi. He's got, yeah, guy. yeah, he's got, like, he got like, Stevie Richards literally looks like he's got <laughs> Lego hair clipped onto his yeah. head, like. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Their gear, they got barbed wire patent leather. That's so fucking shit. It's like Catwoman from Batman Returns. No, because that's awesome. This is shit. <laughs> fucking awful, awful, awful. It's like he's like being like left a note like he needs to beef up and he's like misread the memo. So he's just got some beefy men instead. <laughs> <laughs> just there why it's they're so fucking shit looking they look absolutely rinky dink they look like they aspire to be like the pitbulls in ECW in 94 had a similar look and it looked hokey in 1994 it's 2001 yeah. get better gear oh my god and speaking of gear fucking Care Bear Booger Taker oh, over oh, here no. I got the power of America in my tummy <laughs> rub it and I'll make you all feel patriotic and eagles riding backs and chewing tobacco <laughs> fucking rub you literally right I'm saying this now I'm not from the country but you wearing that flag is, I literally felt disrespected <laughs> I was like don't wear that it's fucking a hard time for the country don't wear that and do this match that is not what America needs do you remember seeing the flag fucking billowing on his gut <laughs> as he breathed heavily in this slow paced snail statue match oh my god now I was trying to figure out why this match is so bad we start off with a hot start Lol, JK, they do brawling aimlessly. Yep. Neither team sells. It's like, bup, 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 bup. No, I want to bup, bup, bup. I'm wearing patent leather. I want to bup. But I'm wearing patent leather too. Yeah, so they don't have any kind of chemistry. They aimlessly bop around. There's no selling. There's no bumps. And I thought, okay, there has to be, like, there's something wrong here in this match. Mm. There's fundamental problem here and I tried to look up shoot interviews with these lads and seeing if anyone had an excuse as to why it was so terrible Adams just said that the match was bad right no chemistry they had both had ring rust and Undertaker and Kane didn't work with them and it just came off bad now Brian Clark in an interview said that and I quote half of Adams body wasn't working Hmm. Now, I was watching closely in this match, hmm. you know, looking at the, the very muscular both sides of, of Brian Adams, but his body was working, and, yeah, that's, functioning. Yeah. and it was just not very good at wrestling. Yeah. That was it, wasn't it? It's because everyone's so big, they can't do a big move, because everyone's so fucking heavy. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, Billy. Yeah, but they'll take a muscle-bound man drop his head in the sand. They won't. They can't lift There's no them. sand there. <laughs> like, don't say you're going to bury someone's head in sand and not deliver the sand. They are like as slow as you know when Sandman is like all kind of like nearly dying in Spider-Man 3 and it's like eh, you know that's kind of what we're at that level here. I tell you the one good thing about this match though Kane, Undertaker and Brian Clark are all on fucking top form with the grunts. Oh yes. Our grunt of the night in specific one is when Brian Clark is kicking Kane in the corner and he does the biggest lovely vomit grunt where he's <laughs> <laughs> Huge kick. It's like when Clark tries to do his kicks, but instead it looks like he's just rubbing his bum in Kane's yeah. tummy. Like, Eat this. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, 
my move where I just fart in your belly button like <laughs> I'm gonna do my move now <laughs> watch out what move the one where I fart in your tummy <laughs> not so sexy now huh give me those muscles you sexy goddamn statue man a young Ryback must have looked at this and seen these two muscle bound jacked up singlet wearing dunderheads and thought I invented Craddock. <laughs> <laughs> Meat on the table, that's what they are. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Clark is my most hated wrestling stereotype. Giant muscle man who hits soft and is clearly scared and apprehensive to take a bump. Yeah. Mm. When there's moments where it looks like he's going to get pushed, he looks fucking terrified. And when he's even doing moves where he's like, I'm picking him up for a power slam. I don't want to wreck the couch. <laughs> Awful muck. Someone sell, please. Undertaker isn't going to. You have to. Clark beats down the Undertaker with all the intensity of a tombola. <laughs> <laughs> we reach raffle levels of excitement later on. JR and Heyman talk about hats. <clears throat> they both wear hats, don't they? You ever notice that? All the rest of the best have had hats over the years, haven't they? Mm, yeah. JR, Heyman, Jesse Ventura had loads of hats. Sometimes more than one at once. King had a, a crown, he's like a hat. It's king a, hat. It's a, it's a king hat. So describing a crown as king hat is like describing Luigi <laughs> as green Mario. I love that so much. The fucking whiffs as well. Yeah. Like, there's part where Undertaker just goes, and he completely whiffs him by a mile. And he still fucking sells. Adams isn't even trying. He looks like annoyed and sad and confused. It's really sad, this match. There's just a bunch of really huge men play fighting. Like, blatantly play it's, fighting. It's like never been so obvious that wrestling is fake. Yeah. Is watching this match. It's a sad match. This reminds me of when I was like, around this time when I was in school, there was a bunch of us in our year and we used to do like wrestling, like, you know, on you know, the playground, stuff like that. And then there was like, wrestling was getting cool with some of the older kids. So like some of these like 15, 16 year old rugby guys, like, we're going to do wrestling. And they bet the shit out of each other <laughs> and got really hurt and just like look at these guys they don't know how to fucking work like there's a couple of statue muscle men like that's what we got here is a failure to fucking sell and a failure to perform there is zero chemistry between Chronic themselves yeah like Clark goes to the apron and Adam's just like what the fuck man tag me with two double team yeah. stuff Lance Storm and the Hurricane are a fucking more tight tag unit than these two and these lads are two time WCW yeah. tag team champions they're an established team long headlock by Brian Adams who JR calls Brian Clark and Heyman does not correct him he's in there and you know what's so bad about this I had to stop the match and go on Wikipedia I'm like oh have I been calling the wrong no they just didn't don't care yeah they don't give a fuck anymore like he's literally there like face on like in the camera and he goes there's Brian Clark it's a headlock they don't move the whole time just there he is Mm. You want to talk about hats again? <laughs> I get like five minutes out of that, probably. Like, where y'all? He turned out to be behind him. Where y'all from? <laughs> JR evokes Hell in a Cell with Mankind. Fuck off. I'm going to talk about a really classic legendary match just to try and. Maybe we can all pretend we're watching Hell in a Cell instead. Leave your body, JR. <laughs> Hot tag to Kane. Chronic getting each other's way as Kane clears the ring to silence. Kane has to stop Irish whipping again. This two times in, a, in two episodes, or Kane's like, "Here we go. You're in the way. Yeah, just come on." 
between that and him going shrine I've oh, not had a lot of love oh, for Kane recently Taker tags in he repeats the process he clears Chronic out of the ring to silence and gets in the way Stevie comes in <laughs> forgot about him yeah man. he's not been a factor in this match no he, do you know Stevie at the start when he came into the ring he had to literally like he went over to like Adams to do the fist bump thing he went over to Clark and Clark kept walking away he, would, he wouldn't do it like and in the end he's like fucking do it like we need shit I can't mate I've got as many muscles as I have got like, you know? <laughs> Undertaker gets a jawbreaker by Brian Adams and he has a, a sentence comes out and it's a sweary sentence he's just I'm not happy with what's going on at this point in time <laughs> Chokeslam to Adam Bomb. Mercifully, this is over. Stevie comes in. He gets chokeslam by Kane, which is literally the best move of the entire match. Mm, yeah. Stevie's like, this is how you do it. <laughs> JR says that Stevie's mouth is so big, he has three lips. <laughs> what? what does that even mean? <laughs> Where is, he like, is this? It's like... Is he like a demogorgon from Stranger Things? It's like mouth splits up in different ways. Like maybe he's like uh, the alien from Alien, the Xenomorph, where it's like, "I'll show you," and then a little one comes out. You'll see. <laughs> the best part of this match, though, is right as Undertaker and Kane are murdering Stevie after the match is over. Heyman just sincerely goes, "What did Stephen Richards do to deserve this?" <laughs> He got choke slammed all the way back to Lazy Town, like. Oh. Maybe that's what happened here is that they had a look at Stevie and they're like, oh, Lazy Town, let's not work. <laughs> I love being like, these lads need Sporkus to come around and be like, get your fucking shit together and sell. <laughs> I'm Sporkus, I'll do three fucking back bumps on a series of comeback punches. Where were you, Undertaker? Where were you? <laughs> and JR, with a little bow on the end of this match. It may be time for the Alliance to reassess this, uh, situation. Fuck. Do you mean the Alliance or the WWF? (laughs) I would pay anything to have seen the reaction when these four men came backstage. The standing ovation, man. (laughs) You absolutely know that Undertaker went to RVD and Jericho and went, follow that. Like, <laughs> you know he did that. <laughs> Chronic going up to his head. Are we cool, boss? No, we are not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that for the rest of the night, people would go up and rub Undertaker's America tummy for good luck? <laughs> <laughs> if you rub it fast enough, Star Stangle Banner will play, actually. Like, you know. <laughs> Greetings from the not-too-distant future. It's Kevin. And it's Adam. And we're here for a caption contest. Which is going to be about the very beautiful picture and image that was uh, selected from a rich pantheon. We got, we got a lot of few and little ones. Yeah, yeah, there's some really good suggestions. Again, it was quite Shane and Booker heavy, to be honest, so we have to sort of avoid that. Well, after last episode, I feel that Shane and Booker have had their time in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. I left it to you to pick out which one to go with. Mm. I'm very, very happy that we got what is essentially Kurt Angle in black and white, face to face with Stone Cold Steve Austin wearing a blindfold. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say, it's like, not really a blindfold. It's like in the way that you'll get your dad's dressing gown cord and wrap it around your face as a kid. Literally, yeah. So, assuming Austin here, a full-grown adult, had a massive dad. Like, (laughs) just massive, fucking huge, massive dad. Um, Once again, for better or for worse, I've not read any of these captions. Me neither. I am completely in the dark. 
used to be that I was like kind of the gatekeeper of these and mm. I'd reveal them to you, but I literally don't have enough time now. So it's basically <laughs> like, it's not so much a gatekeeper as you and I going by the gate, which opens and yeah. then the floodgates come in. So I went from the top comments here. We had a lot of action on this, Adam. Over 300 comments. Jeez. And this was, a, I will say as well now, we only left this open for a few days. This was a very snappy caption contest, so. A snapshot contest. There we go. Theresa May would love that, wouldn't she? Like, a good, <laughs> I love that instead of the obvious meme of Triple H saying <laughs> good snapshot contest, you went with Prime Minister Theresa May and her penchant for Snap general election. Yeah, I've got the snap election on my brain still. Hi, bro. I fucking love having <laughs> you. <laughs> Starting things off, Matthew Grandin. Steve, I'll take the blindfold off if you start speaking properly. This is your last chance. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. God damn it, Steve. Excellent. Why would he blindfold it? I'm, you know, this could be referencing some like sexy movie or some jazz film oh, that, that we've that's seen, yeah. definitely the, the way I thought this was going to go with sex. Like, this is, <laughs> I bet this, because it's a sex Not picture, that thing like. again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm expecting Fifty Shades jokes out of the wazoo here. I've not seen Fifty Shades of Grey or Darker nope. or, or Frege Damn. or Cruel Intentions. So I really feel that all these are going to go way over my Sunday afternoon head here. Yeah. Anyway, here we go. JD Renard, beautiful here. Vince McMahon's Sin City that he's done there. Oh, lovely. That's good. The black and the white, you know? Walk down the right back alley on the corner of Know Your Old Boulevard and Jabroni Drive, and you can find anything. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Manifield. While Triple H was recovering from his quadricep injury in a hotel room in Birmingham, Alabama, he tried to buy the porno channels to help pass the time, but was unsuccessful. So instead, he put on Unforgiven and was greeted to this image. <laughs> That's good. It's good fab. Fucking hell. Uh, Ugh, did you have to do the chewing with that? I, I regret the chew <laughs> immediately. <laughs> That's the thing about the still images. You don't have that. No, you don't. It's much easier. Like. Like, and I'll be honest, folks, right? The chew noise, you get that kind of glottal quality. Yeah. You know, I'm very sensitive to that. If you ever hear someone like, Oh, you know that? Stop! Oh, it's the, there was someone on the fucking radio the other morning. I literally like, ate in the morning, like, beep, beep. And it's like, and we've got a very important uh, interview with this Danish uh, analytic expert about the Facebook scandal. And they're like, <laughs> I say, like, just keep the fucking data, lads. I don't care, all right? <laughs> Chris Trink, all stonecutters must take the leap of faith. If you survive this five-story plunge, your character will be proven. Austin whimpers and is pushed. <laughs> I think I have to do it again. My blindfold done came off. <laughs> Christian Harris. So you're telling old Stone Cold that he can be just like that bitch daredevil if he wears this blindfold? What? Says here Austin says apprehensively, but there's literally no tone of voice with Austin that is apprehensive. Yeah, when is he apprehensive? He just gets louder and angrier when he's apprehensive. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart Jenkins, I'm blind, JR, I can't see a thing. <laughs> <laughs> JP Austin, I drove you out here to this secret location so we can discuss our neck injuries without the Attitude Era podcast <laughs> saying good snap. Hey, 
say that. We wouldn't fucking do that. <laughs> we we wouldn't go that far no. on those guys. By the way, anyone who's like kind of, oh, this will be a light fucking hearted jab here. I'll go to How To Wrestling or A Podcast and send them Sid's leg being broken with good snap. <laughs> if you want to know what the line is, there it is, yeah. all right? There's so many words that will rhyme with it. <laughs> Everything you see is the top WCW talent that we've got for the invasion. Austin, but I'm wearing a blindfold, I can't see a damn thing. Exactly. <laughs> Rob, back again here. Steve, to win $10,000, you have to jump headfirst off this bridge whilst blindfolded and fall to the concrete below. I call this challenge the Skull Buster. <laughs> Very good. What I like here is that obviously with the blindfolds, no one thing comes to mind like last week with what's in the box. Like So people are having to go more out of their way here. Daniel Keenan here, an oldie but a goodie. All right, gang, y'all know I love to hunt. Well, dig this. I just heard about a bridge where Olympic gold medalists hunt you. <laughs> oh, there's more. Oh, God. So, who are the people on this bridge, you ask? I will tell you. <laughs> it's been just long enough that this is breaking me all over again. They're divorcees that won an Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck. Single dads with illegitimate sons and milk enthusiasts in their sexy Kurt Prime. Who ain't fantasizing about being blindfolded by the Olympic gold medalist? Hey ho! That's every man's dream! <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since I've thought about the Cougar Life promo. Give that man the $5,000, like. Oh my god. If we get Kurt Box now next time, we'll be fucking dead. Like. Andy Springer, Kurt, now that we've traveled to 2018, do you understand why we have to do this? But all I did was call Christian when I was bored. And this. What? This is why we have to silence this one before it gets worse, Steve. <laughs> so basically he's proposing a kind of a go back in time, kill Hitler situation, you know. Yeah, yeah, go back, stop what from ever happening. Like. Would you do that? Would you stop what? Would you sacrifice this angle, which we're clearly big fans of, mm. and this character that everyone except Steve Austin seems to enjoy, would you sacrifice all that and not have it ever happen so we never had what? Nah. <laughs> nah, you know, I, I think the watch chants are only a problem when wrestling wasn't so great. Wrestling's great again now, and watch chants don't really bother me. These they days. don't, they don't bother me either, nah, if I'm honest. Yeah, I really notice them to be honest. It's a kind of if, if you're dead to show, like the only thing sadder than someone doing watch chants at a show is someone being like, at a show, like <laughs> just enjoy it, watch Roman Reigns, have a good time. Christopher Holland's head, record scratch, freeze ray. See that guy in the blindfold? That's me. Now you're probably fixing to wonder how it was I got myself in this situation. Well, it's a long and complicated story. <laughs> repo man in the main event. <laughs> Cause I'm the repo man. I want yours as man. <laughs> there are a lot of scenes here. It's scene based. Very scene heavy. I'm surprised Angel Michael Scarn has to come in here. Boom! <laughs> Headshot, man. Are we going to have to get a cast for the next caption contest to actually perform it? I, I'm, I'm struggling here, yeah, to do all the bits that here. <laughs> Oh, I got a new favourite one, Tristan Carl. But with the blast shield, Dan, I can't even see. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to know why I don't like Luke Skywalker, if I did it, Wimsy. Oh, fucking do it, you're a Jedi now. Grow up. <laughs> but with the blast shield, Dan, I can't even see. 
Kurt, your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. Kyrie Crawford. Oh, Lord, don't let old Stone Cold go out this way. I'm supposed to die eating a cheeseburger on the freeway. <laughs> this is from Spencer Jordan Shuba here. And that's why I say that England's greatest prime minister was Lord Palmerston. Pitt the Elder, Lord Palmerston. Pitt the Elder. Okay, you asked for it, Kurt. What? I went parties over the argument. Yeah, is there a blindfold in I'm that just too drunk to like, have at it. <laughs> I'll be honest, you know, last night I've gotten a book recently. It's a little potted history of every prime minister of England. And last night I got up to number nine, which was Pitt the Elder. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. Pitt the Elder was the first impressive prime minister that y'all had. So. Have you had Lord Palmerston yet? Or? Not yet, no. Okay. So I will, I will hold back. Yeah. On my judgment, as it stands, I would I would be Kurt in this situation, waving yeah. the flag for Pitt the Elder. Well, I'm sure our backers can look forward to an update on that situation one day. Well, it's far from Pitt the Elder that you were raised, though, Kevin. <laughs> Go over there. Been there a few years. All of a sudden, all your friends are English. <laughs> talking about Pitt the Elder. What's wrong with James Joyce? <laughs> yeah, don't let your parents ever see that book. <laughs> The chances of my parents getting to this point of a, the halfway point of a three and a half hour podcast <laughs> about a wrestling show from 17 years ago. I think I'm all right, like. Ross Brownell, the safe word is neck surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Francis, Steve, if you can dodge a bridge, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> Someone wants me to do the Paul Heyman voice, but I literally am too tired to do that. <laughs> I need, I need... I need time to... I, I I can't... It's 10 in the morning, and I literally I can only do that, like, 3 p.m. onwards. Well, not only that, but you've also got shit to do today. Like, I've seen you do a Paul Heyman impression and then have to get into one of those coats filled with ice. <laughs> the wheelchair. Like, yeah, and then you're pretty much done for the day. You but. know that I've had my coffee, and I'm, I'm good if I'm walking around going, but we're Sabu. I know I just do every... Well, calm down. Careful. I'm a, careful. I'm careful. Easy. Easy now. 316 Shades of Grey, says Danny Binnett. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Ryan Holbrook. Hey, Austin, it's pretty chilly out here. I just might McFreeze my balls off. <laughs> Nothing about Angle's body being wrapped in leather. Like, I really felt sure that would come up. Bruce Taylor. And now it's time for a special blind taste test edition of Steve Weiser's Swirl. <laughs> I wonder how many glugs Austin would give that like. Chris Gannon. This is great. It reminds me of kids' birthday parties. God dang it, Kurt. I ain't got time for no game of blind man's buff. I'm fixing to put a tail on a donkey. <laughs> Alex Monkhouse. Hi, everyone. I'm Kurt Angle. Steve, absence is cool, man. Try puts on a blindfold. Try ogling that instead. For fuck's sake. <laughs> so, so what? Is there anything like about inner goddesses or anything like that in there? Inner goddess? Yeah, that's a big trope of Fifty Shades. I'm going to do a, a hard command F now in a second. Okay. Adam Hughes, rule of thumb, if your caption is a paragraph, it's not going to be funny. Uh, have you seen the fucking cougar life paragraph? I was going to say, mate. Let's not make this about politics, yeah? Can we all just focus on the captions? <laughs> the pro-paragraph and the anti-paragraph factions are at war, like... I'm up for a hard paragraph, personally, <laughs> you know. I envision this being a red, white, and blue caption contest, if I'm quite honest, Adam. It's a snap caption contest. I'll say uh, straight up, I appreciate This will be our last one here. It don't get much better than Sherlock, right? 
Well, no, not that one. Either. The one where um, Jude Law and Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> what? I just like to low-key slip in sometimes and be like, hey, guys, do you like Sherlock? Like, yeah, I know. I'm, is it Robert Downey Jr. the bomb? What the, is that the caption? Oh, what? no, the caption is, as to the mystery, the only mystery is why you bothered to blindfold me at all. Because very, very uh, mercurial, isn't he, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock? Almost like Jared Leto's take on the Joker. Oh, is this your new thing? The, the lines. What? What was my new thing? Cinema. Good, good, <laughs> good, solid quality acting from a man at the peak of his game. Like, <sighs> mate, Iron Man and Sherlock. That's fucking range, yeah. I can. I bet we're gonna end up doing a commentary track of fucking Guy Ritchie Sherlock movies. No, but. no, no. Do the second one. With uh, Mark Strong in it, like oh, isn't yeah, Kurgan in that or something? Like. There we go. We oh, found a justification. God, no. <laughs> well, as we wallow in the uh, sickness of what we've just uncovered and realised, <laughs> time to go back. Where a young Kevin, Adam, and Billy are halfway through their review of Unforgiven, two thousand and one. Do the Austin three head. <laughs> Booker T and Shane McMahon stare at Booker T's hand. Five time is now a gimmick. I, oh, yeah. yeah. I thought thinking WCW, but of course he won his fifth title off Angle yeah. in the WWF, so five time. Count him. One, two, three, four, five. Love it. They kept using it, though, as an excuse to make Booker T look stupid. He'd be like, I'm a five time WCW champion. Five time. Five time. Five time WCW champion. Mm. And they'd be like, but you didn't count to five. Yeah, but I'm Booker T. I'm an idiot. So uh, I hate that. And I saw this coming up. Fucking mile away. Whenever you have two baddies taking on the one goodie with the championship on the line, and straight away they're doing the whole thing of Shane being like, first time WCW champion, Booker in agreement, and I'm going to win the WCW. And you fucking course. boring. Mate, what could have happened? Do you think Shane McMahon might defect to the Alliance? <laughs> I mean, what's, what's going to happen? <laughs> so tedious. I have to say they've had some awkward encounters Booker and Shane recently my favourite of which was when they got right in Kurt Angle's face he challenged Kurt to a match and like he's like Yo, you have no chance against Booker T this man's a five time WCW champion and Booker T starts doing the spinner in front of Kurt he's like what's going on and Shane's like, like an inch away from going what are you going to do about that Kurt huh? and Booker T's spinning around what are you going to do about answer me look at me look at him what are you going to do about that I don't know what I'm going to do about it Shane. I don't know what I'm going to do my Beyblade can beat your Beyblade <laughs> <laughs> oh my god on Smackdown in case, were you, were you guys worried about tonight? Because tonight you got Booker T and Shane McMahon, two-on-one handicap match, taking on The Rock. Now, The Rock, who handily took care of Booker T and Shane single-handedly at SummerSlam, do you think you be able to take on Booker T and Shane here tonight? Well, statistically, The Rock doesn't stand a chance of leaving as champion. The question really is, is it going to be Booker T or is it going to be Shane? Like... Oh, man, on SmackDown, there was a situation where it was three-on-one. It was like Booker T, Test, and Rhino. The three of those guys and Rock's team all got eliminated. It was down to the Rock, one on three. Don't this is tell me. this is a this is a SmackDown right before Unforgiven. By the way, folks, he pinned Test, no. he pinned Rhino, no. and then Booker T ran away. 
Booker T's the challenger. He looks weaker than when he was the champion. Oh. He ran away. He ran and he ran away when he opened up Booker T. He was like, I'm gonna start crying, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shit. He's had a rough month, Booker T. Mm. Their way of trying to make him bounce back has not been successful. More on that in a little bit. But hey, who comes in? Here I am, Uncle Taz. Thank you, ma'am. This'll be a treat. Uncle Taz, here, while you get beat. Friend of the podcast, Taz. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. We got a message from someone who knows Taz, who got messages saying, do you know anything about that Uncle Taz video? <laughs> Every day for like two weeks, there was like a wake up in the morning, which was, is Taz going to go off on us? Yeah, check the DMs. Like. Fucking Jesus, touch wood. All right. So far, so good. So yeah. far, so good. So Taz comes in. It's Taz. Hey, Taz. He brings up the possibility of Shane McMahon winning. Also pointed out that on Raw, Stephanie McMahon had pinned The Rock in a handicap match. Uh, Stephanie and Tess had went after The Rock two weeks in a row. So just so you know, Stephanie McMahon has got more of a credible threat against The Rock than Booker T. Two people have pinned The Rock since WrestleMania. Rhino and Stephanie McMahon. Just remember that for a second. Taz, once again, had another case of him being insubordinate and then him getting beat down. Oh, another one. Another one. So we had uh, had the one originally where he got whipped. That Mm -hmm. was fun. Then we had one as well where he was wearing the wrong shirt, lost an appreciation night. And then we had a third one where literally the week before this on Raw, Austin had one of his big ring things. He's like, who's got stuff to say to me? I want to hear people talk about, you know, being inspired and being led by example. And Taz, who, by all intents and purposes, is he's a commentator on SmackDown, Taz. He's mm. putting over the alliance in Austin all the time. He's like, yeah, I got something to say, Stone Cold. You're going to get your ass beat by Kurt Angle on Sunday. And Austin's like, what? <laughs> and they did all they could beat the shit out of Taz. You know, Rob Van Dam, Rhino, Dudleys, they all did their finishers on Taz. Whoa. Smackdown, he was on commentary putting over Austin in the audience oh, again. Oh, for fuck's sake. Taz. And Taz was wearing a WCW t-shirt. Oh, I can't get it right. Who can stop the path of rage? He doesn't even care. Wear the wrong shirt, like. He might as well just fucking, oh. I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah. Is it meant to be like a sympathetic thing where like everyone's meant to be cheering for Taz? Like, come on, Taz, just break away from it. And Taz hasn't, you know, got the the strength to go all the way. Well, like, he does. He breaks away, and yeah. then he's like, "But I love Austin and the Alliance." Was so he brainwashed then? Maybe a little bit. I think. I mean, Uncle Taz ain't going to the kids' birthday party still. No. You know, and I just think. They probably think of their mind going, oh, it's very nuanced, isn't it? Because, you know, which way is Taz? Is he coming or going? Is he, you know, is is Taz with the Alliance or is he not? I think he comes off just as bad as, like, Stasiak. Because Stasiak's an idiot who keeps, doesn't realise the fucking moron he is. And Mm -hmm. Taz is pretty much the same here. And that's not nice. Backstage, Stephanie Mann is looking for Rob Van Dam. Whatever, man. Cool. She asks Coach, don't talk to the Alliance, Coach. She's the owner of ECW. So he says she's in this he's in this door here. Uh, so go check that locker room. She knocks on the door. She implies that she'll have sex with Rob Van Dam. So uh, there you go. That's great. And then Y2J is there. Hey, and he's like, yeah, it's your birthday tomorrow. And you're going to be 38. And you slept with 25 guys. I hate you. Blah! There was no monkeys this week, though. So. Yeah. Only mocks her breasts as well. <laughs> That's great. And, mate, he's just saying what Whoa. we're all thinking, you know. Boobs are funny, you're like... Yeah. Ah. Take that, Steph. Coming up next, 
a match I was very excited for. Mm. Very excited for. Rob Van Dam. Or as I now can't, anytime I say that, I might as well admit you guys, anytime I say Rob Van Dam, I just go, eh, 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 what? <laughs> that, that's why he is now. He's four instead of three. YTJ is challenging for the hardcore belt. Mm. And YTJ is mentioned many times in his book that he did not like working with Rob Van Dam. Really? I remember reading his book on that. Had good no, they had good matches. And I'm getting really excited about this. Going, fuck yeah. Steph is kind of trying to be like Rob like it's like freak of the week with everything with yeah. Steph. It's like here's Steph's new alliance guy to try and take out Jericho, who can do it. And you know, Rob Van Dam, cool whatever man, doesn't want much to do with Steph, but he's like gonna beat Jericho, you know? That's his plan. And Jericho on commentary, you know, before this was saying like, oh, are people going to be chanting Y2J? They're going to be chanting Rob Van Dam. They're going to be chanting R2D2. What's <laughs> going to be going on on Sunday? Now, why do you think Y2J doesn't like working with Rob Van Dam from this match? Because he hurts him a lot. He does. Yeah, fair bit. One of the allegedly worst things you can take in wrestling is Rob Van Dam's spin kicks. He, like, will knock your dick still but one of those things. Looks like it. Both men are playing face in this match at the start. It's hardcore rules, hardcore championship, and, you know, they're doing like what Jeff and Rob Van Dam did at the mm. start. I think, like, RVD is like, if you're going to give me the hardcore belt, I'm going to spend five minutes doing wrestling yeah. to not get pigeonholed. Because that happened with Raven, it happened with a lot of guys who mm-hmm. get, like, you're the hardcore guy and you can only go to a certain level. The crowd were literally murdered by the last match. Yeah. And they were already quiet. I don't think I've ever seen a crowd subjected to needless abuse like that chronic fucking Bruce Destruction <laughs> match. They do start their chance though, and it starts off thinking like, oh, are they split? But the split is... I was like, it seemed like they were split, but I really paid close attention. Half the crowd were chanting RVD, and the other crowd were chanting Rob Van Dam. <laughs> which is pretty bad. Uh, Rob Van Dam does his thumbs right in Jericho's face, and he just slaps him. Yeah. Bam! Cool sequence is YTJ jumps over Rob Van Dam's leg sweep. Like, really great, like, straight wrestling. These guys are fast-paced, and they can keep up with each other. YTJ makes it hardcore at last, as he gets a ladder from underneath the ring, and suplexes Rob Van Dam onto it. We start getting some Jericho chance, but mm. drained out by RVD. He's their man. Rob Van Dam dodges the lion salt and does the brain-scrambling spin kick, is all I can describe Ooh. it as. Jericho gets fucking smashed. Hard way cut open over his eye. His eye swells up. Yeah. Jericho was thought to have had a concussion around this time. And by the time they, te- they tested him like two weeks later after it. And For fuck's sake. I know. It's, it's so concussion <laughs> testing back then is so bad. Like, oh, he tested. He's okay. So I guess it was just a mild concussion. But Jericho, as we mentioned last month, he's working hard. Mm. And you can tell there's a little bit of a fire has gone out in him. Because he just looks like he's fucking sore. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I read that in I read Observer newsletters to catch up on this stuff. I don't know if you want to know what happened to the 9-11 Bigger 4 Daily newsletter from Brian Alvarez. Mm-hmm. He wrote at the start, it's like, you know, after everything that's happened this week and all the horrible shit that's happened in the country, I feel really silly writing about wrestling. Like, it feels stupid to even talk about wrestling. I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, it is. It's a bit of a weird time mm-hmm. to talk about after the face of tragedy. So he's like, I'm just going to write this week whatever comes to my mind. I was like, oh, okay. Do check out if you're on the Figure 4 Daily uh, or on on Wrestling Observer website and you're signed up. It's like a series of little comedy bits that he's written. Right. Like, there's a whole bit. He reports, like, this made-up news. Like, 
there's a long bit he's written about Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hara being sent out to buy salt and pepper packets for WWF New York. <laughs> and like, I'm, I've scrolled to it going, is that real? <laughs> it could be. And then there's like a, a bit about like Michael Cole doesn't know what Aurora Borealis is. <laughs> and then I scroll down, I'm like, what is going on here? And then it's like, ode to an ass man. And it's just the lyrics of Billy Gunn's <laughs> wow. I'm an ass man. Yeah, I'm an ass man. I love to love him. I love to Whoa. kick him. Now, I'm not saying there's a right or a wrong way to process 9-11, but I mean... I've got it down. He yeah, got yeah. it down to he a was going some shit. Goes for the five-star frog spot and he misses. Jericho gets up and you can see it right in his face. He ain't happy. Ooh. He don't like Rob Van Tamalots. RVD drop toes Jericho into the ladder. Oh, oh. what a maneuver. Right oh. on his fucking cut. Like, oh. he, he literally, Jericho gets up and Robin was like, whoa, that's bad, dude. <laughs> 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 this is gonna suck. <laughs> Jericho's fucked. He's slowed down. Yeah. Crowd are dying because of it, I think. RVD grabs the ladder. Jericho throws a chair at him. Shades of Sabu there. Get the walls of Jericho on the ladder. Like, a lot of the moves in this mm. match Jericho does are straight from... The Ben Wall, yeah, right? Yeah. He does the thing where Van Damme runs through the ropes and he hits him with the chair. And that was a big spot in that match where he did the walls on top of the ladder. And JR and Heyman don't call it. Tarantula kind of applied there. Very small pop as well. Mm. Gets nothing. Diminishing returns, though. You can't just repeat, you know, because that is such an iconic moment in that Ben Wall match. Mm. Both that and the dive into the chair shot. I think it's pretty hokey to just repeat something like that it's, again. It's actually, as well, you think about it, this is. What, that was Royal Rumble 2001 so that's mm. January this is September so that September is 8 months, months. Like, yeah. you need longer than that in wrestling yeah. I think you've got to repeat big spots and also that feud was about their submission holds yeah. yes that's not what this feud is about at all Jericho gets another stiff kick to the face Robin and side kicks right in the face and Heyman with probably his best most accurate call ever Rob Van Dam is beating the crap out of Chris Jericho <laughs> End it, he will die. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jericho gets an enziguri by Rob Van Dam. It was like he's kind of this wheel kick enziguri, which always seems like mm. a, a safe one because you get the pads to the feet. He kicks him right in the temple. Oh, jeez. Like with the heel of his foot, like dunk right there. He's getting bashed from all sides. His brain's going to come out the back of his head. <laughs> YTJ wails Rob Van Dam with the chair. There's a little bit of salt and pepper on those chair shots, <laughs> let me tell you. Finally, get some YTJ chance. Stephanie makes an appearance. Remember last month, she uh, grabs a chair off Jericho, and then Jericho gets it off her, and swings as hard as he can, and she goes, ah, and jumps off the apron. Oh, I think Y2J learned there that he could uh, humiliate Stephanie way more than anything physical, which he'd never do, by the way. He, didn't, <laughs> he knew she was going to die. Why wouldn't she? He actually going to swing a chair. Well, he did, but he's not going to actually hit her. I don't, what is that? Like, I don't know. That's them jumping the shark. Like what? He wants to humiliate Stephanie. Yeah. Okay. He wants to mock Stephanie, take her down a peg. This is Chris Jericho trying to kill Stephanie yeah. now. Already ran out of all the other ideas, have they? Just going to go straight to him trying to murder her then. And you wouldn't mind as well. It doesn't make much sense in terms of like, oh, screw it. It's a hardcore match and she's handing Rob Van Damme a chair. Yeah. Like, I'm going to kill you. Ah! Not very good interference, really. Nope. Van Daminator, ow, can't be, like, of the all dog. the things, oh, God, five-star, Rob Van Dam wins, and Jairus goes, a five-star match. Nope. No. Absolutely not, Jim. 
remember when those commentary notes came out and they said please don't refer to things as five star matches <laughs> this is why and then Heyman as they're showing the replay with his little quip no one gets quite as high as Rob Van Dam good stuff I think the Iron Sheet gets quite high as well I've seen a few shoots <laughs> you know Honky Tonk Man will tell you who can get high you know he's had a long thought to think about that what do you think? I love the idea of Jericho going into the hardcore division. Mm. Like, never really thought about seeing Jericho go for the hardcore belt doing these kind of matches. So I think yeah. that's a great idea, but not against RVD. They did not click well in this match. It was weird how it's a hardcore match, but they spent so much of the time with ladder offense. Like, even though there was a ladder match last month, like. Out of the three Rob Van Dam pay per view matches we've had, this was the worst. Easily yeah. the worst by yeah, far, definitely. yeah. And this is the one I would have thought was the best because you think of, like, Rob Van Dam, we think of his non hardcore stuff. You think of the style of wrestling and the kind of the, the high flying mixed with the grappling and all that. Kind of the Japanese style with a bit of Mexico. And, you know, he's got kind of a synthesized style with bits from everywhere quite like Jericho because Jericho travelled all over the world and kind of added a bit to his offence from everywhere I thought these two would have done great business mm. together nope you know the next thing we can look forward to is him screaming slow down at Rob Van Dam in a match so yeah not good and certainly not fucking five stars no, uh, what did you think Billy? it was a bit awkward from the start to be honest I was like we didn't, we didn't mention the move but there's one point where Jericho does a bulldog and his legs land on the bottom rope and just bounce off. Oh god, yeah. It's really fucking awkward. Yeah. So both like it, both guys are awkward from the get-go. Mm. Like they really just do not click, which is really surprising because they're both really competent wrestlers. Backstage Booker T counts to 6. Shane says it doesn't matter who's going to win cuz whoever wins the alliance wins. When Booker leaves, Shane gets all excited. And it's now time for one of our main events. Who can overcome these odds? The Rock. He'll overcome these odds. He will yeah. absolutely win this match. It's The Rock versus Booker T and Shane McMahon for the WCW Championship. Recap time. Booker T has never been in an environment like SummerSlam. He has never defended the WCW title against an opponent, in my view, the caliber of The Rock. The Rock the top! SummerSlam, the WCW title was stolen from me. Ever since I came to the WWF, I've got nothing but disrespected. Booker T, The Rock knows that you're probably feeling two feet tall. That don't even deserve a comment. Suckers do that. Somebody got to get hurt. Booker T is an angry man. The Rock on the head. He's become an animal here. Why doesn't someone ridicule Booker T now? The Booker man wants his respect. Hey, Rock, are you getting the message yet? You have gotten under the skin of the most electrifying man in sports entertainment today. The Book. At Unforgiven, it will be The Rock defending the WCW Championship against Booker T and Shane O'Mac. And a special handicap. And unforgiven. It's gonna be you two who have to forgive The Rock for taking his right boot and his left boot. Turn them sideways and stick them straight up both your candy asses. The Rock will meet two men, Shane McMahon and Booker T, with that 
the WCW Championship. The only question, will he lose the title to Shane McMahon or will he lose the title to Booker T? There is no way. Hello, Rock means no way that the WCW title will leave the Rock's way. This is where it's going to be for the WCW title. Two on one. Can the Rock successfully retain the WCW title? Just bring it. No way can the Rock keep the WCW title. Booker T's had a hell of a month, guys. Mm. In addition to all the other stuff we talked about, then making him look like an absolute idiot. Booker T had a bit of a bad time the Raw after SummerSlam. Him losing the belt, not so great. The Rock came out at the start of the show and he's like, I want to call out Booker T to the ring. But who did we get, Adam? Booker Wee. Booker Wee? Booker Wee. Booker Wee? Booker Wee. Booker Wee. Do you know who Booker Wee is, Billy? I can only assume it's going to be a little person dressed as Booker T. Got yes. it in one. Got it in one. And he comes out and he says, sucker. You know, and the rock's like, ah, you're a diminutive height, and I'm making out that you're the actual Booker T, and I'm making fun of you for being small. And then and he makes him do the spinneroni as well, yeah. and it's really fucking awkward, particularly as well because Booker Wee forgets his lines, mm. and the rock is like literally there, stood with him, going, what? And like there, like the rock has to put his hand there. He's like, no, you're. Uh, and it, he it, puts it, his hand out because he's got it written on his hand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> read this. And that's probably where he got the idea from. After he's like, oh, I'm not going through that again. And the rock's writing his promos down from now on. <laughs> it was awful. Like it died to death. The crowd made no noise for it. Lance Storm came out to uh, correct oh, the, the rock. To liven things up. <laughs> You know, I said Lance to save this fucking shit promo you doing. You know, Billy, they just needed a little bit of rocket fuel <laughs> in that segment. So Lance came out. I know you like this. This is one of, literally one of the best things ever. Was Lance came out and he's like, how dare you make fun of Booker T like that? You know, that's not fair. That's not on. And The Rock beat up Lance. And uh, him and Booker Wee. Booker Wee did the people's elbow on him. And they pulled off his trousers and uh, Lance Storm had Power Rangers underwear on underneath as well. So even more credence sees a fucking putty patrol. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I know this or where I know it from, but you can't actually get, or at least in 2001, you couldn't get adult-sized Power Rangers underwear. <laughs> how do you know this? And they had to... He's tried! <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> they, they had to send out the seamstress... To, they got like a Power Rangers duvet set and they <laughs> they fashioned that a special pair of underpants. Custom made. <laughs> You're I the, come out here and custom made Power Rangers <laughs> underwear. My Power Rangers <laughs> pants cost more than your duvet set. <laughs> <laughs> I know you made the big leagues now, Lance, you know. Here you go. We made you up some gear. Put them on. We're going to have a little person whip off your jocks. Wow. Like. And that's not all that Booker T's had to put up with as well. Because uh, the old big show, he decided to do a little bit of comedy. And it was the most uncomfortable thing ever. It's like, Booker T, I don't know if you see what Big Show did earlier. He's like, oh, what did he do now? And I cut to Big Show where um, a Booker T kind no. of Afro wig on. <gasps> Wait a minute, sucker. You didn't just say that. Tell me you just didn't say that. Huh? Do you know who I am, sucker? I'm not a former WCW champion. I'm a five-time WCW champion. I'm the Booker Man, and you gots to know, sucker, that I'm gonna raise the roof on this his house, sucker. 
Now can you dig it, sucker? You gotta see that. The spinner rooney, sucker. The spinner rooney is coming, sucker. The spinner rooney is coming. And they didn't have a glove big enough for him, so they literally tried to make a glove out of scotch tape. <laughs> Out of a duvet. <laughs> <laughs> so he literally had this like really awfully like this bits of his finger are coming out and everything like, and he's there and it's I'm you know I'm not gonna do it because I, I feel it's really offensive. Where Booker T starts you know like Quentin Tarantino on BET like talking eubonics and calling mm. everyone sucker and uh, at what point? Can you as WWF go? No, we're not making fun of you know, a black person or where it's Booker T, the character, because it's like when you got you know the Big Show dressed up in a fake afro, just calling everyone sucker, 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 jive, sucker, sucker. It's fucking awkward, man. It takes them a while to figure it out, but by the time we get to Booker T versus Triple H at WrestleMania, I think they really figure out how to book a character like him. You know, there was almost definitely a meeting where they had to decide whether or not they're going to put Big Show in blackface for this. I, I could pass that now. No, I can literally see that being done of like a head, a coin toss. Really? Like that is like uh, heads will do it, tails we won't. Maybe it's because Big Show is so massive they couldn't spring for like going for that much paint or whatever. It would be <laughs> like fuck this. Billy Gunn did full like torso, heads and shoulders blackface when him and Road Dog made fun of. Team 3D in TNA in 2006. Seven. Oh no! So there you go, there you go. There, you know, Global Force Network. If you want people to check it out, there you go. You yeah. Say, Look at that fucking racist shit. That uh, <laughs> when when Road Dog is having a go at people about fucking complaining about production values on SmackDown, why don't you tweet him that instead? Make him think about things. Have you really made amends, Road Dog? Have you really? In storyline, Shane now has jurisdiction over the WCW titles. So that has now been established. Shane makes the matches for these belts. That's something, at least. Yeah. Why, though? Because he owns WCW, which we were reminded of, like, once. So that means he owns The Rock now? <laughs> he can book The Rock in matches. Right, okay. Why, why would... I just I still don't understand this from a storyline perspective of why Vince would just let this happen. Mm. And also, it doesn't make much sense as well, the fact that, even though I've told you that Shane can book this, this match was booked in William Regal's office, with Shane coming in and saying, I'm of jurisdiction, so I am booking the match. If it's all right with you, I'm going (laughs) to have this match. Oh, God. Guess who Jim Ross reminds us that Booker T is not? Sting? Yeah, or Ric Flair, yeah. or Ricky Steamboat. So I'm guessing, come on, he's said this so many times now, they're going to be here any time now, like, surely. Oh, they're coming in. They're yeah. on their way. Heyman's working overtime here to make this match relevant. He says that Arn Anderson backstage has told him that Ric Flair idolises Booker T. <laughs> Heyman, fair fucks to him, Heyman does a good job at the start of the match of reminding us of just, you know, Shane is still tough. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't write him off. Because when we were going into this, I was like, oh, fucking comedy Shane. But he actually went through everything he's been through. The King of the Ring match, which I already forgot about, even though it was only a few months ago. So fair fucks to Heyman. He does try and get it a bit more yeah, plausible. He, he mentions every one of Shane's big stunts, like every one of the big moments. He mentions all the names he's faced in all the pay-per-views. And it's like, it's a big list. Like, yeah. And JR is like, yeah, Shane McMahon, he's a big time, big match environment, big money player when it comes to pay-per-view. I love that. But JR does seem to be like irritated because he thinks that if Shane wins the WCW belt, that would be one of the biggest disgraces in modern wrestling. 
like because you know the lineage of David Arquette and Hulk Hogan you know this, all these great Goliaths have come before him you can't have Shane holding the belt hey Adam remember the episode of Smackdown where Vincent Mann won the world belt and everyone was like really happy about it <laughs> yeah that literally did happen. <laughs> yeah it literally did happen like so Shane McMahon runs away at the start of the match as Booker T gets beat up and a massive America will not forgive sign appears. Jeez. It makes this all seem so pointless. Yeah, really. Shane McMahon gets in control. A little bit of Shane O's shuffle there, you know. Brock gets double teams here and there. And the referee is a WCW referee. So, yeah. you know, it's like three on one because, you know, sticky Nick Patrick keeps allowing interference and no good tricks. So they get the unfair advantage in this two-on-one match. I think it makes them look so fucking bush league that they have to cheat so much. Yeah. It's two-on-one. Does Booker T no favours? Fair enough having Shane looking like a putz like this, but Booker T shouldn't need all of this help. Shane comes off way better, because Shane gets that on commentary from Heyman, and then actually probably more protected in the match than Booker is. That's pathetic. Booker T hits the spinner-rooney, and Jim Ross just goes, spinner-rooney my ass. That sounds like it would hurt. Like <laughs> Rock gets laid out in the Spanish announce table, manages to run away before Shane McMahon gets that diving elbow drop. I love one thing about this, and I think even though he's been buried, and even though he's had a fucking rough go of it, and we mentioned before, I don't think anyone has quite adapted their style to the WWF style and kind of seems comfortable wrestling, mm. quite like Booker T. Now, Rob Van Dam's not there yet, because Rob Van Dam can only seem to wrestle with certain people and get on. Booker is in control and he's comfortable. Like, I love this about Booker T when he's a heel here. The swagger he has when he's doing certain moves. Like, he'll get the rock over for a spin kick, but he'll just pause and pose and then do it. Or he does the big knee drop where he, like, reaches his hands up and stops and then comes yeah. down. Like, it's just a little bit of flair to it. I really, really like it. You need him to win, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah that'd it. be nice. You can't have the showboating and then lose. Shane McMahon grabs the championship and clocks Booker T in the face by mistake. Oh. Then just turns around and hits the rock straight away, which kind of just makes Booker look like an idiot. Yeah. Stinky Nick Patrick ignores this interference. Shane heads up top for the elbow drop, which misses. The rock starts coming back, but gets cut off pretty sharpish. Shane, oh, do you see does the nip up like the rock? Yeah. That's really cool. He attempts the people's elbow, but the rock gets up beforehand. Shades of WrestleMania 28. Yeah, it's legit. The, uh, Same spot. Hits the rock bottom there. People's elbow to Booker T gets stopped by an interfering test. Ugh. Four on one. Fucking hell. He hits the big boot to the rock. Bradshaw with a weapon. Makes him have a big pipe. <laughs> it's rah. <laughs> he it's went into the crowd like an you know, mercy. <laughs> came out with a big giant copy of the Rock Says or a you know, water bottle chased him off as well. So test is gone. Clicking Nick Patrick pulls the Rock into the ring. Straight arrow, Mike Kyoto comes out and he stops Shane's pin. The hero pop that Kyoto yeah. gets here. He's the hero America deserves at this point in time. He's fucking gets a huge reaction for it. And Kyoto, unlike a lot of the WWF refs, he can fucking go. He can sprint. Yeah. yeah. That man is a fucking beast. I bet he cycles to work no matter where they are. <laughs> Wipes out Nick Patrick. And Booker T kills Mike Kyoto. Bookend gets reversed into the rock bottom. Hebner appears just in time for The Rock to pick up the pin. Jesus, I don't know about you, but WCW sucks! Yeah. Glad we didn't waste any time watching that on Mondays. <sighs> what do you think? 
Dreadful. Yeah. Compared to the previous month, better or worse? About the same, I would say. Both dreadful. This is probably worse, I think. The four-on-one with, like, Test and the ref and everyone having to help. Like, come on, Book, you can do it. Mm-hmm. I think it was worse. It's fucking miserable. Where does Booker T go from here? Yeah, what what is left for him to do now? He's your only guy. Yeah. Like, Rob Van Dam, but, like, Rob Van Dam's a face. He's and your he's only main event. Yeah. No, really. no. Fucking hell, this is rough. Backstage, William Regal, Ty Jiri, and Tori Wilson. Oof. They're in love. They have a bit of a chat. Huh? She's suddenly in love with Tajiri? She is, she's in love with Tajiri. I don't buy this. It's like a really shit Romeo and Juliet. Mm, she's up to something, I think. Well, like, we've already had this exact storyline with uh, Molly Holly yeah. and Spike. Mm, like, back then, yeah. Tori's not a great performer. I'm glad they found something for her to do. Because I'm not sure if wrestling is a thing that she should be doing. Because... There's no one for her to wrestle. Like, mm. we mentioned Ivory at the start. You got Ivory, who's doing the wrestling on the Alliance side. Literally no one else. They've signed Jazz at this point in time, but she's not appeared yet. Trish is injured. She's fucked up her ankle. Lita, she's wrestling for WWF. Molly's around. Molly, Jackie, they're around, but they're not really wrestling that much at all. So, women's title, China's got it. Mm. They just don't care about women's wrestling. Don't mention it. You know? And it's funny because I think a lot of people have always thought in the past before, like, you know when Vince didn't do women's wrestling for like four or five years in the 90s? It's like, oh, it's because of Alundra Blaze. She dropped the belt and he got soured on it. I think it's literally if he doesn't give a shit and can't be bothered, Vince will just be like, fuck, I don't want any women's wrestling. Yeah, exactly. And there is none at all. So, Tajiri is getting, uh, getting some vibes from Tori, and everyone is thinking that Tori is actually, uh, you know, secretly working for the Alliance. Yeah. She is still part of the Alliance. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the bits where Shane McMahon would go up and be like, oh, Tori, I love what you're doing. Just like with my father, the master manipulator, you're going to be with Tajiri, and you have a, we'll have a mole in the commissioner's office. I love it. And then it was like, comes out that, no, she actually is in love with Tajiri. She really loves him. Oh. And she thinks that Tajiri is awesome and she, he's so funny and he treats her so well. And Austin didn't like this at all, you see. Mm. Austin came out and he thought that Austin was going to call out, like, you know, Kurt Angle or something like that. And he goes, Dory Wilson, oh, no. get out of here now. Now, you know what's bad? Because when I watched this as a kid, it went, Dory Wilson, get out of here now. And then Tori came out looking sad and then it cut to commercial and then they cut it out. <sighs> now, the only time they've done that before, I remember it watching as a kid. I'm sure they've done it other times, but the only times I remember was that and when Trish was made to be barked like a dog. Uh, where they cut... Oh, and when Val Venus... Not Val Venus. He was one of the terrorists. But when the terrorists beat down Undertaker oh, yeah. as well, that was cut. What happened was, Tori came out to the ring and Austin got in her face and just screamed at her. What are you doing? What are you doing with Tajiri? What? Are you in love with him? What? Look at you! What are you wearing? What? Is that supposed to be sexy? What? Are you supposed to be arousing? What? You're pathetic! Oh my god. And she's crying and shaking. Uh, and that's it. That's the storyline. Great. Tajiri came out and got beat up by Austin as well. Good. Good writing there. Speaking of good writing... The other lady of the alliance. (laughs) Cut to WWF New York. Stacey Keebler rubs a man's face. (laughs) Like like evil coop. (laughs) (laughs) Mush in the cheek. I was going to say, it's like uh, John Travolta's daughter in Face Off. A weird stroke she does to everyone's faces that the whole family do. Hi, I'm Jamie. (laughs) 
I'm sorry, I can't think of like you know Stacy not being possessed by Bob now. <laughs> I don't need things. I want things. So she says, "There's nothing better than a clean-shaven man." All right, I'm gonna admit right now. I this was one of those things where it's like, oh, every man likes this, and I was like, what? I don't understand this. Like a couple of weeks ago, someone told me like, oh, no straight man can resist a woman in a man's shirt, and I was like, really? What? <laughs> I can. That, but that's apparently a very widespread, accepted, sexy thing mm. for straight men. Stacy is like, I got a little treat for you guys. And it's her shaving her legs in the bath. In the bath. Right, I understand all the bath, all sexy and all that, but like specifically legs being shaved yeah. like that that's a that seems like a Vince McMahon clips for sale type mm. of thing he's got that in his tabs on private mode like so that is it that's the segment that is it and then she goes back she's like what do you think about that New York woo pathetic it's the second best WWF New York segment we got this week because on the Smackdown beforehand like back in WWF New York we got a special guest, guys. Here's Hardcore Holly. Hardcore, we've not heard a lot from you recently. He's like, yeah, you've not seen a lot of me recently. Because none of these Alliance guys want to fight me. But if they do want to fight me, I'll show you why they call me the Big Shot. Because I am the Big Shot. I'm Hardcore Holly. The Big Shot. <laughs> Hardcore Holly standing by. <laughs> <laughs> so Bob doesn't really make much out of that. But um, Stacy's been paired with Sean Stasiak. Right. Stasiak, whose gimmick is, he is a super genius. Oh, for fuck's sake, why? Why is this now? On Austin Appreciation Night, Stasiak was... You know, everyone does a little promo to the camera, like, I appreciate Stone Cold because of this. And Stasiak, I thought this was a goof, but it turns out, no, this was real, and they play, they aired it because he was such a fucking idiot. The bloopers, like... The bloopers. Yeah. Where he's there going... Uh, on Austin Appreciation Night oh sorry guys I messed up Boop. take two uh, on Austin Appreciation Night a leader like Steve Cole st- um, uh, sorry guys and it's like take 39 he's like uh, uh, Stone Cold oh sorry guys we're live pal like, he couldn't do it and those they, were real bloopers those were real bloopers those mean fucking bullies like that's so fucking horrible it's still so mean of them for them to hire him and make him think that he's actually an actual wrestler that's, <laughs> yeah. that's really not fair like he's got a dictaphone he can at least record his lines <laughs> so he can remember them. you know I secretly recorded Steve Austin he said all sorts of really inspirational stuff when he thought no one was around <laughs> So yeah, he uh, has been teaming up with Stacey to do super genius things, like get Kurt Angle. He got a milk pail full of rotten milk, and he said he even got some extra chunks and put them in there. <laughs> Where, extra you chunks of chunks? Where do you source those? <laughs> like, do you go down to Booker's? Has he got all the guy? <laughs> extra chunks! And he's like, he perched it over the door. So like when Kurt comes in for his pre-match milk, he'd get them all over it and like it fell on Deborah, you know, so. Oh. And he's like ran into some walls and stuff like that as yeah. well, you know. But yeah, he stinks. He's yeah. covered in chunks, he's going to stink. <laughs> but you know what? They clearly see something in Stacey and Tori, but it just shows you like they're considered to be trained in WCW's mind. Yeah. Wow. And Bubba Ray Dudley as well said that the worst thing about Stacey Keeper Bro, the first night she was in the WWF, I was fixing my hat in a mirror. And she walked in front of me and did her hair. Can you believe the disrespect? 
So yes, yeah, Stacey, you're on thin ice. Wow. How dare you use Bubba Ray Dudley's mirror? I love it whenever a wrestler is just like a really thin-skinned Seriously. baby. Seriously. It's like when the, the Miz got kicked out of the locker room for eating chicken next to Chris Benoit's sports for like bag. four weeks yeah. or something silly. I'm like. just saying, this is the, the locker room that has the emotional and spiritual leader of The Undertaker, <laughs> who so far tonight has been not selling and getting Brian Adams a fucking gig. Great locker room leader, lads. I'll take the fucking big dog any day of the week. Coming up next, US title on the line. Canyon lost it when he had an open challenge and finally defended it. Won't be seeing him again. It's Rhino taking on Tai Jiri. I thought this match would be a big deal, so I passed it over to Adam. Adam, you can take us through this one. Thank you very much. Good to do some more Tajiri matches. So obviously the titles have been fucking hot potatoed around, so Rhino is the US champion now? No, Tajiri is. Tajiri is the US champion now, so when did that happen? Canyon did open challenge. Anyone the WWF, I'm feeling inspired of Stone Cold Lee by example. Come on, take me on for this belt. Tajiri just beat him. Oh, just straight up. Straight up, that's it. Fair play. Who better than Canyon? Tajiri. <laughs> Clearly. Undertaker <laughs> and Kane as yeah. well. And DDP because he didn't run away. You know, he took his beating. So apparently Rhino gored Tajiri on the stage last Monday on Raw. Oh and no, how JR described it was so much less enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. The gore, gore, gore on the <laughs> floor, floor, floor. <laughs> There, I said it. <laughs> it's just like what Smithers has to do. There's got to be action, action, action. <laughs> do we really need all them gores? <laughs> and then apparently on SmackDown, Austin beat the shit out of Tajiri as well. So he's working hurt, like, yeah. really rough. Rhino gets thrown to the outside early, and Tajiri gives him a lovely drop kick through the ropes, followed by a big springboard moonsault to the outside. This is, like, the first offense of the match, pretty much. It's a bit of a shame that the match starts off with We Want Puppies chance. For fuck's sake. These EC two are amazing wrestlers. Like. Chant EC Dove. Something, you know? JR keeps calling Tajiri's battered ribs. Like, he's so... Like, the way he says it, he is Just fucking drooling. starving. Oh, my God. That the sounds crispy amazing. crispy battered ribs of Tajiri. My God. If you brine him as well, that'd be fucking something, huh? Rhino tries to wear down Tajiri with some big clubbing blows, but Tajiri keeps getting the speed advantage and coming back at him with a super kick, running drop kicks. I felt sure we were going to see Rhino far more in charge for this, because yeah. he's the, the stout, sort of kick-ass kind of guy. He pinned The Rock as well. You know, they did the whole thing. He gored The Rock a load of times, and mm-hmm. Rock did the big spin cell, the key, oh. and they like call it like, the gore of the century and all this stuff, and he pinned The Rock, and they were making a big deal. Like Rhino was... You know, I think of everyone in the alliance. Rhino's one of the guys getting a real push. You know, they had their eye on before this invasion. So, yeah, I was also expecting this to be fucking Rhino time. Like, mm-hmm. have a total showcase. This dude's scary. He's intense. It doesn't come off And Tajiri is injured. Yeah. yeah. And, like, Tajiri's holding his own against Rhino. It's really mm. weird. No, I, I think it's good. Because it's just at the start of this match where, like, Tajiri's still got the speed advantage. And that's all it is, is that every mm. time Rhino is beating him down, Tajiri can slip away and come back with a running kick or something. Did you notice who was in the front row? Because, I mean, I only noticed in this match we're, like, close to the end of the show. And I only noticed this. And I kind of want to go back and rewatch Unforgiven to see it. But you know who's in the front row? She mm. was interviewed earlier. Krangle's mum. She's there again. She's in the front row for the whole show. She is so bored looking in this match. Like, she's literally, like, uh, looking at her watch, like, just, like... (sighs) No one told me it'd be three hours. Yeah, Jesus, don't fucking invite her to WrestleMania this year. (laughs) (laughs) 
but eventually Rhino does start getting some offense back in on Tajiri. He gives him like a short little mini gore in the corner, just like a little spear, and Tajiri looks like his guts have exploded. Like mm. he sells it so fucking well. Rhino slows things down by pulling Tajiri's head up with his hair. Like Tajiri's laying on the ground, and Rhino just grabs him by the hair, lifts his head up, and then lets go. And it just keeps doing that like three or four times. It's weird looking off. That's strange. Stupid. Tajiri lifts his legs up though and grabs Rhino with them like in a pincer movement and then pulls him down from a standing position into like some sort of fly trap pin. Like it's wow. really cool looking. Like that's uh, two Tajiri matches in two months now where he's done something that I struggle to describe. Yeah, so I love it. I fucking love Tajiri. Absolutely adore him. Rhino hits him with a massive belly to belly. Uh, looks fucking disgusting. And straight into a chin lock for a couple of minutes. Pull some faces. It's weird because it's a short match and yet mm. there was a long chin lock in it. Yeah. I think it's meant to be like, oh, Rhino's trying to slow Tajiri down, but I don't need a rest hold to do that. Mate, we like, had Chronic earlier for that. Yeah. Literally right. a tag team that is a living embodiment of a rest hold. But even so, no, looking back at my notes, I've got to agree with you guys. Tajiri does keep consistently making big comebacks on Rhino. Like It's not just one big comeback. He mm. keeps coming back at him and hits him with the diddly D handspring elbow. <laughs> Tori gets on the apron. Rhino chases her all around the ring, like The Rock and Vince at WrestleMania. They yeah. do that exact spot, pretty much. Heyman's mad into it. Yeah. He screams, gore her! She gets in the ring and twists her ankle, and Rhino is set up, like, in the corner, ready to go in the crowd, the fucking crowd. Like, it's the, the loudest they've been this evening. Like, Craigle's yeah. mom, like, <laughs> Gore that woman, like... When she doesn't do it... Heyman goes, oh man, that would have been great. <laughs> what a heel. <laughs> well, he goes for the gore, but he runs right into a buzzsaw kick, which looks fucking it sick. It great. Thought that would be the finish, to be honest. Yeah, same. Tajiri goes for an acid drop, but Rhino counters it. And again, Tajiri counters that into a modified abdominal stretch, which he then moves into a tarantula as well. Ooh. So like, Tajiri is fucking OP. Like, yeah. You can't yeah. stop him. Rhino hits a big exploder suplex and literally just goes in the corner and is waiting for the gore and you feel like, well, it's been building up, someone's going to happen. But no, he just fucking plows right into Sajiri, kills him. One, two, three. Not amazing, but there's some good stuff in there. You know what? When I was watching this, and this is the first time, because you know what? We'd done season two when we were doing those fucking rock WrestleManias. Mm. And it was like fucking five sittings I had to go through because it just dragged so much. And every show we've done for season three so far, I've done in one sitting. Yeah. Yeah. Except this Unforgiven show, which I really felt dragged. Mm. Yeah. Like there was two or three moments, and this is a moment where, you know, when I write in capital letters, this show is dragging, and then have a different pen afterwards, you can tell how I feel <laughs> about what's going on, but it drags. You're saying that in a Rhino and Tajiri match as well. I'm I think back. As, as, this match was only okay, but I think it's made worse by the fact that it's on this show. This yeah. long, boring show. But this is like three matches now where you think, right, this has to be like a really good match. This is great pairings. Mm -hmm. Perry and Raven, great pairing. Surely would have gotten a great match out of that. We didn't. Jericho and RVD, great pairing, great match. Surely, no. Rhino and Tajiri, great pain, great match. No, as well. Uh, Undertaker, Kane, and Chronic. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's definitely a good pairing, is it? I mean, you know, there's a lot on the line there. You never know. Undertaker and Kane, they may want to take on Chronic again, Adam, in the well, future. I know Chronic. Well, Chronic know. I know Chronic, and Chronic knows that they can't beat Kane and the Undertaker. Can you disagree with that? <laughs> Can you argue that? Hell no. <laughs> Kiss my ass! <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Main event time! Kurt Angle versus Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF Championship. 
Austin at SummerSlam. I was nice enough to kick out of three Stone Cold Stunners. My God, Angle kicked out, and Austin cannot believe it. Only to see yourself get disqualified. The three referees, Austin has taken out. Because you realize you couldn't beat your Olympic hero. Kurt Angle just got screwed by God out of the WWE title. Then the following night, you had your little Austin appreciation night. And again, I was nice enough to drive all the way in. Kurt Angle's driving a milk truck. And supply you with some good, wholesome milk. Milkomania is running wild. And Austin and the Alliance getting humiliated by Kurt Angle. Stone Cold will not forget this night. Kurt Angle has been bitten by the rattlesnake. Oh, come on. Austin is putting Kurt Angle's gold medals around his neck. Those medals symbolize everything that Kurt Angle is about. You said I never have none of these. Stone Cold Steve Austin's got two of them. They belong to you. I said they belong to you, Kurt. What will you do, Kurt, to get these gold medals back? Are you too proud to beg for them, Kurt? Get on your hands and knees and cry for me, Kurt. Go and cry. Cry for me, Kurt. This is what means everything to me. These mean nothing to me. If you won't beg for me, if you won't cry for me, they don't mean nothing to you. I'm the king of the world! Kurt Angle with a weapon just hit Austin in the back of the head, and the rattlesnake is down! Where is Kurt Angle going with Stone Cold? I'm gonna do the same thing to you that you did to my gold medals. Cry for me, Austin. What? You're pathetic. You're a joke. Come on, Austin, cry. Come on, cry, Austin. There's one thing I want more than anything. I want a return match for the WWF title. You got it. When? Unforgiven. What? I've been humiliated and embarrassed for the last time by Kurt Angle. I ain't gonna whip somebody's ass tonight because I cannot wait for Unforgiven. Wait, oh my God! Austin just threw Kurt Angle right off the stage! Stone Cold Steve Austin has made a powerful statement! You will not embarrass Stone Cold Steve Austin. You're a desperate man, Austin, because when you look at me, you know that I am the one man that in your mind can beat you. Days could be numbered for the WWF Champion Stone Cold. Kurt, Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to make an example out of you. What? Stone Cold Steve Austin's out of control. That is a sick human being. No, my God, no, no. Austin makes me sick. This belt is mine. It's all mine. <laughs> Austin, and I'm forgiven. I will walk out of my hometown. The World Wrestling Federation Champion. Oh, it's true. It's still true. And you just got to imagine how physically intense this confrontation for the richest prize in our business will be. Oh, my God. I mentioned that we had some stuff with Austin and his past. First, we had Milkomania with the, the, the milk truck coming out, quite like the, the beer path, and Austin being sprayed with beer and all that. Austin was losing his grip on reality, even more so, taking out on everyone. Like, he would get embarrassed by Kurt Angle, and then he's like, the next person I see, I'm going to kill. And Chavo's like, hey guys, I am uh, got caught in traffic. Are you dead? And he's killed Chavo. <laughs> and like, even you get to the point where people in the Alliance are like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you know, he's really doing stuff that's totally off the deep end. Like, he ripped up the mats and pile drove Kurt Angle onto the concrete. 
and this is Austin who had yeah. you know neck injuries mm-hmm. and he had a pile driver done to him and you know they're pointing out in commentary how could Steve Austin do that after he himself having his career he know that's what's so sick about it because he knows the anguish and the fear that that causes it's so much worse than someone who hadn't been through that and like Austin goes backstage and like Tommy Dreamer goes you know like why did you do that and he's like I had to do that I did it for all of you and tries to inspire them all and they're like yeah, but why did you do that to Tajiri as well? Was that to inspire us? He's like, yes, I'm very inspirational. And then, so everyone is thinking that he's, something's really wrong here. Probably regretting putting him in charge of the Alliance. Like. He, he has three faces. Did you not yeah. think <laughs> there was a problem there? So Austin decides the thing that he's going to do to prove to Kurt Angle that he's better than him is to take his gold medals. Because he's like, I've got a WWF championship. You don't have that. What? Now I've got your gold medals. You don't have them either. What? So Kurt Angle's medals get stolen. Not the first time it's happened to him. I was kind of hoping that he'd put chocolate medals in his yeah. trousers again. <laughs> you know, get chocolate all over his willy. Uh. Like, hey, sorry if I'm thinking about Chris Benoit having chocolate on his willy there. I've done that twice now. and I'm really <laughs> sorry about that. So Austin had a different idea. He appears on screen randomly during Kurt Angle's matches and he's like, Hey Kurt, I'm just backstage here in the old Joe Lewis Arena. I've got your medals. What? And Austin as well, he's not wearing his knee braces so he's got full on tight Daisy Dukes going on here like showing off them thighs, just hanging around on a car looking sexy. He's like, come on Kurt, why don't you come back here? We'll hang out. Come on Kurt, give me these medals out. What? I'm going to give you some medals Kurt. What's the matter? Don't you trust Stone Cold? What? And Kurt comes back and he's like, See Sky to you and he's like, oh, where's Steve Austin? He's like, I don't know. He, he ran out of here. I don't know where he is. And then all of a sudden, what happens? The fucking big gate swings open. A black car comes zooming down, just like Survivor Series 1999. Wow. The exact same arena I checked. Wow. Steve Austin tries to run over Kurt Angle and then pulls down the window with the medals going, hey, Kurt, got your medals too, bitch. <laughs> and it drives off. And Kurt is like, incense like where did Austin go he's driven off and he's got my medals now that's three things that we've had with Austin with his past the fucking running over in the Joe Louis arena the beer truck the pile driver then where does Austin appear next with the medals big old bridge just like The Rock Mm -hmm. and Steve Austin the intercontinental belt Austin being thrown over the bridge in his life before and he's there with uh, the medals like come on Kurt you like these gold medals so much why don't you cry for me Kurt Come on, beg for me. Cry for me, Kurt. Squeal. <laughs> and Kurt is like, he's not going to cry, but Kurt's just in the ring like, man, like, you son of a bitch, you motherfucker, don't you dare do it. And he's like, well, if you won't cry for me, Kurt, if these medals don't mean you'll cry, they mean nothing to you, and they mean nothing to me, because all I need is this title. And he wraps him on a cinder block, and he fucks him off a bridge as Kurt is like, just the colour drains from him. And the best thing about it is that after Austin throws off the medals wrapped to this fucking cinder block, it goes, the camera just cuts back to Steve Austin. It looks kind of like dazed, like he's taking a really big shit. And he goes, What? Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's just destroyed a whole crux or something. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he makes such a weird noise. And then uh, Kurt Angle gets his own back on Stone Cold. To reward him for throwing the medals over and ruining his life, the Alliance bought Austin a new truck. To which Austin got on top of the back of it and went, I'm king of the world! <laughs> <laughs> Did let that movie Titanic! 
Kurt Angle beat up Austin, covered him in chains, blindfolded him, drove him around town, first to a bridge, then to a really high, like a fucking, like the bridge in Grand Theft Auto 5 that the train goes over, like really tall, and he's like, I'm going to throw you off and kill you. He's like, please don't kill me, Kurt. He cries. He's crying. Austin, like, no, he's unhinged. Austin shouldn't cry. I oh, really like, I enjoyed does. seeing it, but I, I don't want Austin to cry. Really? No. How I come? I don't know. Even though that he's unhinged, he's desperate like, though. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right because he's Austin's always like even throughout this stuff, he's always been brave mm. and like he's always been very s- strong in that sense. I just, I just didn't, I did not like seeing Austin cry. I think he's been ducking Kerrangle so much though. And after SummerSlam, you can no longer call him brave. I guess that's mm. their, their point, isn't it? I just think it's the perfect progression because all they've been doing this past few weeks is like dismantling who Stone Cold is, like taking away every last little mm. bit of like dignity and stuff that he has. Like he's got, he's so pathetic now that he's doing the most dastardly things people have done to him to others. Like mm. he's trying to run over Kurt, trying to literally trying to break his neck and paralyze him. These are all things that Austin, as vicious as he was when he was a face, there's like a line that he wouldn't yeah, cross. Yeah, yeah. But now he's doing that, and now he's crying and like begging for mercy from Kurt. I love that they've taken this all the way to the nth degree, and he is just a fucking husk of who he used to be. I love that Kurt just knows how to get to Austin because he's pushed him over the bridge, and Austin's like, "Please, no, don't do it." He's like, "Well, why cry for me, Austin? Cry." And the best line ever is when Austin's like, just goes, "I can't cry. <laughs> I've been taking my alpha brain. I ain't got no emotions no more. I can't dream. I can't cry. I can't be proud anymore." <laughs> I can't be nostalgic. <laughs> and then he finally does cry. And his cry is the best. It, like, Because you think he cries. I always saw as a kid what it was. And I still think it is a bit is that Austin, he can cry. Cause he's, he is a piece of shit. He's just pretending to cry. Because mm. he goes, I'm begging you, Kurt. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm such a jackass. <laughs> And then Kurt goes, I'm sorry, I don't believe you. You're going in the water. And he pushes him into a paddling pool. And Austin's like, I'm dying, help. <laughs> and then he takes off the blindfold. And Kurt drives off in his car. Fucking love it. Now, this all happened before we got to, you know, the, the big event. You know, 9-11 happened. So 9-11 happened and kind of cut this storyline a little bit in half. We had the, the stopping and whatnot. And then they kind of went back to it on the Raw afterwards. They had Austin starting to run down America and stuff. Ooh. Right, like, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the... What? <laughs> like, Asshole. that's really weird. <laughs> so I really can't wait for the hometown boy, Kurt Angle, the all-American hero, to defeat the evil terrorist, Stone Cold Steve Austin. In the SmackDown before this as well, Austin, like, is probably his most unhinged thing ever. was at, Like, he was so embarrassed by what Kurt did to him, that's why he pile drove him. It's because he just couldn't deal with it. And he went out to the crowd, and he's like, Oh, I bet you're all excited to see Kurt get me on Sunday. If you want Kurt Angle to beat Stone Cold Steve Austin, give me a hell yeah. And he goes, Hell yeah. What? Hell yeah. What? Hell yeah. What? You're doing exactly what I want you to do. And he's just like, like fucking Gollum or something. <laughs> 
A big booze for Austin when he comes out, and a big pop for Kurt Angle. Yeah. Kurt is very, very over. As you'd expect. Most of the crowd is like Kurt Angle's family, I think. <laughs> like a big Angle family reunion, like the Flanders is, the Angles is, you know. That might explain why they're quiet for so much of the night, and they're big pops here tonight. Where's Kurt? Yeah, that's our boy, our hometown boy. We're coming to see the wrestling show with the hometown boy. Who the fuck is Tajerian Rhino? Maybe that explains why they were quiet. They fight in the ramp. Austin's all weird in this match. Like he goes to the stunner at the start and he stops. Like he looks like he's afraid. Mm-hmm. And JR and Heyman are like, I've never like even Heyman's like, I've never seen Stone Cold hesitate to do the stunner. Like he's kinda what's wrong? What's going on here? Angle even does some of Austin's moves. He does the Luthez press at the start. JR eloquently puts it, Steve Austin is on the brink of insanity. Angle, who despite having a sore neck, and they mention this casually, Kurt's like not cleared tonight. Mm. He's got a broken neck, just like in the Olympics. And he like ripped off the neck brace, and he's like, I'm going to wrestle anyway. Mm. And they, they say the word neck about 70 times in this match. They keep going on about the salacious neck of Kurt Angle. I'm going to snap that neck. Oh. I mean... I don't know if I'm reading into this too much, but I've you know heard wrestlers say in books, Foley said it and Jericho said in his book, where there kind of comes a point with certain people in wrestling when you're on the road and you're isolated and your only real kind of real human interactions or your connections or your emotions come from performing and the line can blur between you and your character. And I really wonder if it's in everyone's best interest with Kern Angle, who was said so many times he will work hard to his detriment. If you're doing a storyline where after the big terrorist incident, Kurt Angle overcomes a broken neck and fights on anyway. Like, I'm not saying he thinks that's what's actually happening here, but you do shit like that enough, you build up the ego. And Kurt, for a long run, particularly in TNA, thought that of himself. Hmm. To his detriment, I think. Like, that he bought into the character that he is this invincible wrestling machine and nothing's going to stop him and he has to go out there and perform. Mm. And I think Kurt is someone who, not maybe on purpose, but his wrestling has taken advantage of Kurt Angle in an abstract kind of way, I guess. Yeah. I feel bad when I see Kurt as hurt as he clearly is, you know. But he can wrestle in Daniel Bryan can, so there you go. Mm. <laughs> JR says that Austin is the greatest WWF champion in history. Just as Austin starts to run away and grab the belt, he's like, <laughs> like he's midpoint, he's like, oh, I never mind what I said. Like, they brawl on the ramp, Kurt throws Austin off the ramp as well. Ooh. No countouts or anything so far. Yeah. They're letting him wrestle. Kurt Angle pulls off the mats, and both men start attempting the pile driver. Kurt Angle reverses Austin, backdrops him onto the concrete. Austin's bleeding. They reverse rolls and repeat the spot. I love that as angry as JR is at Austin, he begs Angle not to pile drive him. He's like, oh, you've got your whole life to regret this, Kurt. Don't do it to him. Like, love that. Little yeah. moments where JR expresses his regret that Austin's not his friend anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like when they're edging Christian earlier, they're talking about brothers and brothers, and like Heyman goes, You're an only child, JR. You wouldn't understand what it's like, you know, for brothers to fight. He's like, well, there was a man who I once considered my brother, but oh. I don't want to talk about that. And I was like, who is he? Oh, it's Austin. Oh. Aged. It's either Austin or King. Yeah. Like, <laughs> King. <laughs> I'm watching like, ah. 
Who misses me? Oh, King News, he's divorced the cat. <laughs> that was quick. And he went on Opie and Anthony where all they did was make fun of him for being divorced. Oh. And he was a good sport about it and he wrote an open letter to the cat begging her to take him back on no! the website. <laughs> She's still on his website if yeah. you go on the website. She, there's a picture of her still on it. She changed her phone number, moved to oh, 10, like just man. completely cut him off. Can you imagine? Can you fucking imagine? There's probably good reasons why she did that, oh, Jerry. I, I bet there is. Austin front suplexes Kurt onto the announce table twice. They're beating the shit out of each other here. Austin works over the neck. We get USA chance. Austin is from Texas. That is a part of yeah. the United States. Hank Hill will tell you guys it is part of America. Karen Angle gets in Austin's face. He gives her the finger and then she just stands up and screams, Fuck you! <laughs> now slap me. <laughs> Angle makes his comeback, starts hitting some of them rolling German suplexes. Crowd is quite quiet for Kurt's comeback. It's mm. almost as if they don't know the ebb and flow of a wrestling match. I don't know if this is a wrestling crowd. Mm. This is like the first really quiet crowd we've had so far in this season, I think. Kurt's neck sucks, so Austin keeps coming back. I am so fucking bored at this point. I must yeah, admit. Really yeah, dull. Yeah, I trailed off an in interest. I've oh, wow. Crowds, I need my crowd. I've said this before. Yeah. I know it makes me a fickle son bitch, but uh, I need my crowd. Austin bops the ref. Kurt Angle low blows Steve Austin. Yeah, show the terrorists no mercy. Why? I don't like Kurt low blowing. I don't like that. Mm. Mm. Kurt Angle hits the stunner. And then Austin hits what he thinks and is called is an Olympic slam, but it's like, how do you do this shit again? <laughs> and it's already done. Austin teases the pile driver, hits it, Kurt Angle kicks out. Mm. The pop when he actually kicks out, though, the crowd notices that. That's fucking incredible. Like, that, you, know, you use a pile driver spot sparingly, and that's how you use it. Yep. That was a real big fucking moment there for Kurt Angle. The stunner gets reversed into the ankle lock. Austin tries to get out. He actually grabs the apron underneath the ring ropes, which is meant to be a rope break. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned that because of the fallout of this match. Yeah, the next point. Next um, but Austin ends up tapping with his hand on the ring apron. Kurt Angle wins. The Angle family rush the ring. Confetti falls. Kurt wins the belt. It was a finish that was changed in light of what had happened. This originally was meant America to be Austin. America needed a win. America needed a win, exactly. And I think... WWF would just kind of realised, and rightly so, that I don't think we wanted to see a psychotic rattlesnake beat an Olympic gold medalist. Not right now. Not right now. So even though this is very much a short-term booking change, Kurt Angle picks up the win, and it's a very nice moment. And I think Kurt, it's nice that he had that as well. Like, so many guys win belts, and it, like, you know, Edge, he won so many championships, and every one of them is like, oh, Edge is like, you know, somehow slithered away with the belt. Like, yeah. But Kurt, you know, it's nice as a performer yeah. to get your family in the ring, on yeah. the shoulders, everyone's there. That's a big moment. The whole roster come out. Yeah. Like, the Rock is there and gives the gives Kurt a huge hug, like, to start it off. It's really like when Sting beat Hollywood Hogan yeah. at Starcade. It feels like a big, big moment, like... All the lads come out and, like, congratulate him, and X-Pac just walks over and just pulls an entire bottle of water yeah. over his head. Um, Why? So you saying this is a short-term booking plan? Yes, by our next pay-per-view, Steve Austin is the champion. Oh, for fuck's sake. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. fuck's sake. Well, do you feel like it should have been a, a, kind of I, a turning point, generally? I think so, but I do think... I mean, obviously, I didn't know that the matches were changed because of what had happened. 
But I really feel like this match and SummerSlam match, like just the style of match, should have changed. It should be swapped around. Mm, I really, really? I, I really think it would have been. This felt. This match was so fucking boring. Yeah, I really if, didn't like it. If Angle won the bell after a match like the SummerSlam match, mm. that would have been such a huge, like, a huge, bigger win. Suppose him winning the bells where it. It's just Austin like, uh, an out and it's uh, who cares? I loved how quickly Austin tapped out. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't was wasn't a long one. It was maybe two seconds tops. He was yeah. tapping. But it's interesting because their obvious long term goal at this point, the house shows that are being booked for like near winter at this point are being advertised as Steve Austin and The Rock. So that's their obviously eventual plan was Austin Rock. WCW title, WWF title. Right. So keep Rock strong, have him beat all the WCW guys. Keep Austin strong, have him beat all the WWF guys. Now the problem there straight away is that there ain't no more WCW guys yeah. left. And we've had to change things around here. I think it was the right call. I didn't enjoy the match. Uh, I no. really didn't. Adam, you've been, uh, like, had a disagreed look on your face. This was when you enjoyed them. Yeah, to be honest, I think I really regret at the start saying that I enjoyed a lot of the invasion more than most of the Attitude Era. I think specifically what I'm getting at here is the Kurt Angle and Austin storyline I've been so on board with. Yeah. I'll agree the match wasn't that exciting in ring, but unlike you, Billy, I think it makes more sense to have had last month you see Angle take the most unbelievable beating and that's when Austin realises he can't beat Angle and he has to bullshit his way out of it. Break his neck, steal his medals, fuck him up. like This month he's done everything he can in between the two pay-per-views to fuck over Kurt, to try and get in his head. This match, he's running away, he's hesitating to hit the stunner, he's all fucked up. Like I feel like they've taken the Stone Cold character in such a natural progression that to me it did make sense for this to be the one where Kurt finally beats him and proves like you've gone fucking weird mate like mm. I could already beat you before but now you're actually being a detriment to yourself because mm. you've gone off the deep end but I will agree with you that I felt like because they've taken the Austin character so far now this should have been a turning point and keep the belt on Kurt now try yeah. and do something different maybe build up some more WCW guys Yeah, but it's just kind of it's a diversion and a reset like we're back to kind of That's business so as usual very soon yeah. and you know what I kind of felt myself when we were doing the invasion episode and when I was watching the stuff from SummerSlam, I was kind of preparing mentally to have a big, robust defense of the invasion at this kind of past the halfway point. Like, yeah, no, invasion's not as bad as everyone says it is. But you know what this is? This is an awesome feud between two top guys, Kurt Angle and Steve Austin. A few characters coming in and getting pushes and clicking with an audience, which is just nice to see. Like, Rob Van Dam to Jiri Rhino getting over is nice to see. But all of that can take place outside of it being an invasion angle. And at the end of the day, how many times do we say WCW, ECW? It's, a, yeah. it's not... A, we say it's so much more than them. And if you've got Jim Ross and Paul Heyman who can't sell you on this and they have three hours to come up with reasons, then you know that they've given up on this storyline. Mm-hmm. And now it's just, when's, when's it going to end? Yeah. And I remember asking myself this point at the time. I was like, is this like, how's it going to end? And when's this over? There's no rules for this being over, and that's really frustrating. And I think I'm dreading next month's pay-per-view because I think that's them dragging the arse out at this yeah. point. Like They need to hurry up and figure up some new shit because what they got ain't working. What do you think of the show overall, though? For me, it was the worst show I think we've done so far for this season. I really didn't enjoy Unforgiven. Yeah, it was very, very, very bad. And no one had their heart in it. Um, you can put that down to what was happening at the time. 
Because they're on the road, they like, didn't miss any shows. Like, yeah. they did every, the whole loop, this whole time. I mean, you can put it down to the shitty booking, shitty writing. Shitty crowd? Shit, I don't know if there's necessarily, but they are a shitty crowd. It's just, with everything going on, just inopportune times, it just it just really lacked soul, this mm. pay-per-view. There was like, no one was into it. I think it's one of the things that at the time it probably came off a lot better than it was because it was just like the big win at the end, that was yeah. a really nice moment. Yeah. It was, I think, the right call what people who were watching this wanted to have seen. But you look back at it now, it's like, oh man, that's not really as brave a face as everyone thinks they're putting on here, you know? You can tell that stuff is a little bit off and that things are kind of... Normal service is not resumed despite what they've been telling you on Raw and SmackDown. So we'll see what happens next month. Match of the night! MVP Adam. I'm going to go as far as to say that main event was my match of the night. I was so into the story of it and so happy with everything Anglo and Austin have done throughout the invasion. Mm. Definitely that. MVP Austin as well. I just love that he's been brave enough to go so far in this direction with his character. Bill. This was a hard one. I'm, um, I'm literally, I'm <laughs> thumbing through. I'm hoping like, you guys take a while because I don't know yet. I'm thumbing through my notes trying to find a fucking match I actually like. Edge and Christian, I think, for match of the night. I enjoyed that match a lot. Mm. Honestly, like, no one I think is deserving of an MP MVP of this pay-per-view. Because mm. usually when I give my MVPs, I'm like, who surprised me? Who did well, you know? Well, you have to give someone. We've established this. You have to pick someone. Christian? Yeah. I think Christian, maybe. Mm. He surprised me, because I've never really been a fan of Christian, but I did enjoy him tonight. Yeah. But really, really struggling with this pay-per-view. I think my match tonight is pro... I mean, I just thumbed through my notes there, and I was like, well, I didn't like a lot of this show. Mm. Christian and Edge, even though the match wasn't spectacular, I think it was the right match for the story. Yeah. I'm really excited to see their follow-up next month. Mm. I'd say... I don't know if I want to give Christian the MVP, because I think it was more like him... It wasn't just specifically this show. It was yeah. this whole feud. Yeah. So I may got to go with like Angle. I mean, Angle put on a hell of a performance. Like, and that was a lot of pressure to put on him. I think he carried it off really well. And this is probably the first time a lot of people could look at Kurt Angle and go, "That's like a top guy, not a guy who works with top guys or a mid, you know, middle of the road, sometime top guy. He can be the top guy, despite the fact that WWE for most of his career hadn't been." the guy who works with the top guy because yeah, our yeah. top guy is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to do it for this episode. Coming up next is going to be No Mercy and then we are on the road to the end of season three. It's time to start thinking about what season four might be. You got any ideas? Let us know. Tweet us at AE Podcast or give us a like on facebook.com forward slash Podcast. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. If you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud or on Stitcher, Go back and check out all the other episodes. Season 1, The Attitude Era. Season 2, The Rock's Return. Season 3, you're listening to it. And there's a lot of bonus episodes along the way there as well. And if you're enjoying what you're listening to, tell a friend. If you go to facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era podcast, you can find a whole plethora of video content. We've got over 100 micro videos on there now. What? From some of your favorite moments from all the seasons of the podcast and even Smackdown Crawl if you want a little taste of that. If you have any ideas for moments from this season you want to see get made into videos, send me a message on Twitter at Biblos. Adam, do you like stuff? I do. Kevin, do you like things? I guess so. If you do, buy my new range of supplements. S&T supplements will make you stronger, faster, and will open up your mind to a whole new reality. Order now from Botchamania with the promo code definitely not poison to get 20% off stuff, things, health. Make or hair loss and bouts of Protestantism. 
It's the fact that last episode you made such a point of being like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm just doing a straight up Botchamania plug, baby. I'm done with the well, game. That went over. I, well, yeah, I got another message from Matthew. It's like, what the fuck was that, mate? Like, just stop doing really shit ones. Yeah, mate, I've got a <laughs> garage full of these supplements in Newcastle. I've got to shift them, like, come on. If you want to support the AE podcast, you can. The best way to do so is to head over to our Patreon page. Send a few dollars our way. Help the show get made. Help Billy Keeble come round here. And most importantly, get access to a whole shed load of bonus content for your ears and your eyes. Become a $5 backer. Get access to the 30-plus episodes of the SmackDown Crawl. Each episode, 60 to 90 minutes in length, where Adam and I go in-depth episode by episode of the original run of Smackdown starting all the way back at the end of 1999. As well as there you get things like our book report series, some video goofs along the way, Q&A episodes, as well as all commentary tracks past, present and future for free. There's a variety of rewards to suit a variety of budgets and needs. Thank you everyone who's supported us so far. We're into our second year on Patreon. Thank you everyone. We love making you content. We love all the support you're giving us. But until next time, and no mercy, it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And we'll catch you next time on the Attitude Era Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>